Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of July 2020. And what a ride we're on, eh? It's a real roller coaster. I hope you're all hanging in, not hanging yourselves, but hanging in there, because we're getting awfully depressed. And it's going to get a lot worse too, as we're controlled and, and threatened into this new, this new system, a system planned long before the COVID idea broke out and was implemented. And we have lots and lots of evidence, naturally, that it was in the planning for many years to bring us to this particular point. We always think that we are somehow part of societal evolution. And it's a crazy idea that you're part of it, because most folk are not part of it. You exist within it, but you really don't, uh, you have no say in, in how it's implemented, or even what kind of future you would have. Most folk, it's true enough, the bulk of the population go along to get along. It's a quite a natural thing to do. But you keep forgetting amongst the, the, the people that uh, you coexist with, there are those who often... Uh, form little bands and clubs, sometimes big bands and clubs, through education, through business, and through their, their big hobbies of ruling the world. It's a big hobby for a lot of people. And how to get more and more power over the public. And when you, when you merge that with academia and all of the so-called social sciences and psychology as well, behaviorism, etc., and eugenics, which is all ties in with anything to do with humanity that bring into eugenics naturally, it's awfully important to those that rule the world and what kind of world that they have planned for the future when most of us will die off through sterility or simply not having children, at least not live births and so on. And we, we, we just will pass away. And they'll bring in their new system, of course, a scientific type of technocracy for a particular period of time. And we keep, folk can't grasp that. They, they, they always think short term. That if you bring this in, it'll last, and that's going to be forever. No, it won't be. Whatever they're bringing in is going to be temporary as well, and have a fixed lifespan of efficacy to suit the bosses until they go on to the next stage. And that's how they work this out. This is not my idea of it. It's the, it's a summary, really, of all the books I've read that they put out themselves at the top. And they've been putting out these books for an awful long time. You can take the basic ones, going back to, to the Rosicrucians as an example, even long before them, in fact, of, of the idea, written in allegorical form, of altering humanity and, and making you know gold out of lead, meaning basically getting the base product, which is general humanity, and sharpening them and, and, and um, refining them into a more pure uh, hum, human being. This is how they say it. And the reason it's, it's a degreed system is that it's not meant for everyone, even those that join it at the bottom level, or the Blue Lodge at Masonry, for example. Most folk think it's a self-help club and a camaraderie for men, and partly that's true. But at the same time, as you, as you go up the ladder and really go up and up and up and up, you find out it's, very, uh, it's, it's not egalitarian at all. It's very selective on those who get to the top. And even then, if they're good enough, they get on to a much higher degrees above that, because then you're put into places of power. You're, you're especially if you've been really, at the very least, chosen when you were even a teenager, even before that. Some of them, I think, really personally, I really believe it, are bred this way by very careful. Pre-
breeding uh, and selection of partners or whatever, or even just uh, sperm and ovum. This is an old thing that they've been doing for a long time, and they keep harping on about it, uh, that they can create perfect humans if you just allow them to take over the, the world and allow them to design the perfect humans. They'll take out the bad genes, as they call it, and put uh, uh, more advanced type genes in for intellect and physical health, all that kind of stuff. And uh, all they have to do is to get the compliance of the general public, you see. It's been, that's, that's been an awful nuisance, that, for them, for an awful long time. This compliance uh, is rightfully theirs, you see. That's how they say it for themselves. They're the ones who run the world. And after all, they have all the, the, the they have members who run the economies of the world, the financing of the world, the chronology of money, and uh, the wizards of cash, you might say. So they, they yeah they have them all on top and have academia there too with all their sciences and and uh, long winded degrees etc on how to manipulate manage and control the general public how to to use be way beyond public relations uh, techniques that Bernays talked about in propaganda his book way back a long time ago. When he was boasting about how, how they got America into World War One, he was put in charge of a massive team and a big financing to convince the public to just back Wilson and go off to war. And after the war, he boasted about it. They have great egos, these psychopaths. I like to tell you how they, how they fooled you. But he, he did mention about the subconscious, taking it from Freud, naturally. You've got to understand that there's a group from Freud, even before Freud, a group really who understood where they were going with the world and how they had a mission, you see. And the mission would be partly to destroy religion. That was a big part, actually. Replace it with science, especially science of the mind, until you would allow them to create a new culture, a new behavior, and new normal behaviors for the general public, which is still going on today. Big time, in fact. Most folk today have no idea that their their parents and, and their grandparents before them were all victims of this big, long agenda that went through the whole 20th century, uh, altering culture, belief, and uh, opinions and everything else, all to suit the ones at the top. And now you're in for the big push where you're being trained. That you're, really, you're not worth much at all. I mean, you're just another little insignificant drop of water in the big pool. So uh, accept your place and, and your diminished uh, ability to, to conceive of what, to actually uh, appreciate what you are uh, and accept the fact you're lowly nothing. And that's what you're getting taught today big time with this mass, mass psychology that's going on. And we're all in it together, wartime attitude that they use, all these slogans they use for wartime. And, um, and, and it rubs out the fact that you, it, there's individuals. You're all individuals if you stop and think about it. And you've got to stop being part of this giant herd. Once you're into a herd, you obviously have herd management. It's harder to say we have an, we have an expert to manage you, the individual. That, you see, there's a lot of work for them then. And they've got to get compliance tests put out and agreements and so on. They, they won't get it that way. But when you, when you label everything as a country or the mass it's much, much easier then to put out the experts then simply dictate down to you like Dr. Fauci and others like him, members of his ilk. And uh, so that's how it really works. That's how it really works. It's very simple, really. And it's not new. Uh, it's been understood for an awful long time how to do this. And, um, and, and there's never been a time uh, 
where even even with the countless, countless daily and weekly and monthly and yearly surveys and psychology and behaviorism of all the different uh, tests that ran through university students and volunteers and, and society in general, etc., etc., how to get folk to comply and conform and so on with demands that put upon them. Uh, right down to even convincing you to, to why you're, you're not voting at all, to then who you should actually be voting for. It's all done to you and using incredible sciences uh, so that you, you come to what you think is your own opinion on things and you go along with it. In fact, you'll argue with folk when, you, when they'll tell you, look, you, you, this, this thing can come from your own mind. It's projected into you with bits and bytes of information, repetition. And, and literally, if you understand the magic, this is the key to things that they knew way before the French Revolution. And uh, with Kabbalah and the Rosicrucian ideas and the Rosicrucian Manifesto as well, that uh, most folk literally are, are what they're made of by those who, who rule them. In a true slave society, you would say, by those who own you, you see. And the trick in all societies is to convince the public that they're free. And if you're really good at it, they'll believe it. And so it'll be absurd when you say, do you realize you're getting treated like slaves here? And big corporations have made plans to inject you with all kinds of things, not just this COVID thing. And it's been in the works and the planning for many, many years. They won't believe you. They can't believe that anyone would go to that length to fool you. Which is precisely why it works. It's your own disbelief, you see. But that's how it's done. That really is how it's done. Those who run the world see us, as literally as I said before, like a huge herd of cattle. Uh, and it was rather obvious to me, even reading the writings by many of them at the time, but... but it was very obvious to me that even in the 1970s, you had this wallow, it's like a wallowing of, of nothingness. I could say, I, it's a very hard thing to put in your words, but it's where, where the economies, especially in Europe and Britain and places, felt stagnant. And they were stagnant. But there was also a stagnancy of purpose in society and within individuals, almost a hopelessness in the fact. And it was during that era the Margaret Thatcher came out uh, and uh, she said that, that there's a generation growing up now who will never see work, like full-time employment in their lifetime, get used to it. And the theory uh, that they had at the time, and it's probably still the same, under the general capitalistic theory, was that, uh, she, and it's Thatcher talked about this in this fashion, she said we need a, a goodly amount of people unemployed because that keeps the wages down, you see, because if we're desperate to get work, you can offer them less money. If you've got full employment, then the employer has to literally buckle under and give more and more money to get folk to come and work for them when they've got so much choice, you see. And, and it's a very simple concept, and, and during that time, that, that 1970s era in Britain, uh, during that, that period of nothingness, this, this, where are we going? Where am I going? Everybody said the same thing, where am I going? It wasn't just that. And, uh, of course, they were getting drugged then, too, and, and they, they altered all the, the, the laws to do with pubs, the pubs in Britain. 
I had had opening times in the morning. It was ten thirty to I don't know, it was two o'clock or something. And uh, then they closed, and then they opened again at maybe five thirty or six, to maybe ten thirty at night. Or I think it was a closing time. Then you're out by eleven p.m. But when Thatcher was in, she decided to to open the pubs all all day long, pretty well. Maybe she closed for a few hours at night or something. But she said it quite open, quite honestly, and that's what, the one thing you could admire about Thatcher. She just she said, <laughs> she gave you the reasons. She just didn't, didn't just simply lie, and she said it's better to have the youngsters with their unemployment money, drinking all day in the pubs, and then sleeping. You see, every day, uh, rather than, than than going out in the streets and marching and demonstrating, or causing riots. And that was as simple, and she said it the way it was. And so they opened the, the pubs all the time uh, for for quite a long time, but, but there was still a feeling of, um, I, I think, lack of purpose. It, it was it was like a depression in the air. I used to think of these financial depressions, which Britain was always prone to, because it was you know an empire, and uh, uh, the people at home were paying for all the wars and all the, the debt for all the wars and the debt for all the. They were still throwing money across the world in these little countries that supposedly ruled. And, but it was a select few that, that benefited from it all, all those years. And that is a fact. That is the truth. Uh, and Britain had a big army because it kept uh, unemployment at a good level. And you could always go into the army and get some respect. You'll get no respect anywhere else if you're unemployed. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Britain, had, Britain still is throwing out money from the taxpayers in Britain to support a lot of the, the, the little places that used to be parts of the British Empire still today. Everybody's broke, including Britain, at least the folk in Britain. And uh, it's going to get a lot broker with all the riots going on too because it's, been, it's to be taken down into the dust pretty well. And the dustbin of history, that's the old uh, Frankfurt School idea of it. Destroy everything, the culture, the whole lot, right down to the, its foundations, that which it stands upon, uh, right down to utter crisis and depression like financial, etc. And with the COVID, they'll certainly get it, and all the riots have had too. I, I say that as opposed to just demonstrations. We know there's communist riots going on, well-funded from outside, and the leaders are certainly well-paid for their, for their work and all of this. But again, this didn't come from those demonstrating. Demonstrators and those who riots, and they can't think beyond what they're going to loot. Or what they're going to burn down that day. That's that's what rioting's about. But those who at the very top who plan it and organise it know exactly where it's supposed to go. And one and it won't be too long. Maybe a year's time, you'll see all the ones who who were rioting and arguing, literally uh, turning on each other just to get a scrap of food. That's where it'll eventually go if the agenda goes the way it's supposed to go. And that's the way it's planned, of course. Of course, the leaders of all these things uh, won't suffer at all. They'll be well taken care of and looked after. And maybe even flown out of the countries to save havens for themselves and so on. That's how things really, really work. You're living through a perpetual war scenario. And this is the, the, the present phase of it. It didn't take countries by surprise. You'll hear certain people's names. Now it's almost forbidden to speak their names now because... Your social media is completely part and on board with it, this whole agenda of a complete world revolution, bringing in a new uh, te- 
technotronic and technological type society and technocracy to rule it all. Uh, they're completely all part of it, naturally, for those at the top. And they want a regulated, obedient society where you, you'll simply comply. And the beauty of it is, too, through all their tests and their constant, incredible studies are so well done with the internet and, their, and uh, all electronic communication. Uh, daily, they add to it with enormous amounts, you know, thousands of gigabytes daily just on information. They don't care so much about the topics, but they're, they're interested in how you think about things, how you're feeling about things, or, or certain prompts to vote for this or not to vote at all or to riot or, or whatever, to see if you're falling in line with what they want. It's quite an amazing time for experiments, and they got a completely free hand today. But if you mention those who are financing it, you'll be completely struck off, and you lose all access to social media. Uh, because you're not living in any kind of fair, real society, you're living under a tyranny. And this is the tyranny that Bertrand Russell talked about. He, he did the impact of science on society, and a few other books too. One was awfully good about education, how they would train the children from birth to, into what to believe. And he was talking about future revolutionaries of all kinds, actually, uh, which we've watched happening. But he also said that um, they, can, they can make the children, if, they, if you get them young enough, and you, you, you keep them in, in a closed group. It's so interesting to, to watch this happening with electronics, you see, and with the social media, and with school combined, you can literally bring out everything that Russell hoped would happen. Because he said, if you can really get children uh, and, and you, you can separate them from the rest of the world, if possible, then you have, they have a peer group, but you control the peer group. He said that you can make them believe whatever you want them to believe. And you can, if you want to give them enemies, like adults or whatever, because they were doing that in his day too, through communism. They don't trust anybody over 30, and even under that age. They've done it again using social media now, more efficiently than he talked about, because, because literally, with flash mobs and everything, and with indoctrination and the websites, big ones put out there for them, uh, catering to them to, to help them to agitate and, and feel unruly about things or get unruly and to be discontented. And they're complete and <laughs> literally almost an isolated even though they're all going through the same school curriculums from a very young age, they're cut off from even their parents. Their parents have no idea what they're learning. And, or, or maybe they don't even care what they're learning. But they certainly don't participate. And, and they're, they're being literally weaned off of taking care of your children. And they let the state do it, exactly what Bertrand Russell said. And it's been so effective. Look at it today. You know, you've got youngsters, they're ready to kill people. A la Marx, you see, and Trotsky, uh, because they believe, oh my God, you've destroyed the planet and we may all die in a, in a few months' time or a few years' time because of you. All bogus, but they don't know that. And you, once you're radicalized to that extent, and this is what the communists know, if you read, read their, their own writings, uh, if you win by using those children, you, you have to eliminate them because now they're contaminated. Because you can't then bring in a society, the next phase of a society, by using the folk that destroyed the old society, you can't bring them into the next phase because they won't be content with what they're seeing happening then. 
in the new phase. They're not getting their, their utopias uh, fulfilled, you see. Personal happiness. They actually think they're going to be given like a personal happy pill or something. So it's, it's quite fascinating to see it uh, all coming into being. But, uh, but yeah, Russell said it, and he said that uh, we'll bring in a system. He didn't say social credit system but in so many words, but he referred to it in a similar words. He said eventually you'll have everyone, everyone on some kind of credit system. And don't, don't forget, too, I mentioned it before where he mentioned the, the Technocracy Inc. Technocracy Inc. that came out in the 1930s, uh, where they would... Uh, the, the Grace, they're called the Grey Men, by the way, for those who don't know it. <laughs> Just like the movies and stuff. And the Grey Men, they move between systems and, and they move between countries during the Cold War. The Grey Men, the Grey Suits and so on. Well, they, they had uniforms. It was Grey Suits. And not quite. In between the, the platform, you might say. In, like masonry in the tesserated floor, black and white. So it was in between it. It's, it's called Grey, you see. Nothing's a color. Everything's Grey. And black's not a color, neither is white, technically, you see. So they're the gray men. And, and these two come out, and, and they were going to be a replacement for the systems which we can refer to as republicanism in the States or democracy in other countries, which, again, was a joke uh, because it was never democratic. And it still isn't, of course. But... Uh, even even the communists used that term as well. The Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, a democratic republic. You see, and uh, but the fact is, Russell talked about them. You see, and uh, it, there's no doubt he knew them from 1930s on. They didn't die off and go away. They were kicked out of countries like Canada, and um, I think Musk's grandfather was one of them. Or maybe he's, yeah, his grandfather or father, one of the two. But for being subversive. They're classified as literally subversives, along with communism, you see. The communists liked some aspects of it too, because they both had so much in common. A future that would not be democratic. A future where the specialists... And those in academia and professors and so on would rule your lives. Again, psychologists and, and not just social workers at the lower level, but psychologists and then um, behaviorists and so on. The, the, and then this, the, the biosciences, where they come in and literally make new humans. That's the whole idea in the 1930s of Brave New World, you see. Uh, and folk would, would, would slap them up, think, oh, that would never happen. Eh? Look at it today. <laughs> you know, it, people can hire. They can hire. Um, there, there, there are guys, like two guys, quite common now, hire a woman, and if they're, they're the sperm inserted one way or another. And, and, and they, again, they can literally have um, uh, the male sperm spliced between the two men. So they're both fathers of the same child and things like that. This is all normal today. It's, it's quite, uh, quite routine, you see. But things that talked about the 1930s, uh, they, were, they, went, they went through it all where it would all go to. And they even had terms for wellness and brave new world. You know, you'd have your span and so on. But they, were, they brought all of, it, all of it in. And Bertrand Russell also said yeah, that uh, he said, and I've mentioned this so many times, 
that if there's going to be a tyranny, and, and he saw it would eventually become a tyranny, it didn't matter who it was that was running whatever system, he said he much preferred it would be a scientific tyranny. That's what he was for. He advocated that. But he also talked about the system where you, you wouldn't be able to complain about anything eventually. He, he, he said it too, that the techniques of conditioning the general public were so perfect and perfected that people, meaning sheep, like sheep would be people, you see, sheeple. He said that it is impossible for, for sheep to complain about the price of mutton, as it would for the people themselves to try and change or complain about the system under which they lived. And, and that's where we are today, with the perfected sciences. Uh, it's just too easy in real time as things are happening and all this social chit-chat across the world, this massive chatter being being analyzed instantaneously with, with billions of uh, algorithms and so on and, and categorized. And before an hour or two has passed, everything's put in its own boxes and slots and so on. And countless universities across the world are taking samples and studies and yada, yada, yada to see what works best, etc. It's just incredible what's happening. We have no freedoms at all right now, unless you throw out all the electronics. And even then, you have to really um, survive in a society where everyone around you is completely hooked into the into this, this matrix, you see. And you'll never get through to them. But Russell also said, he said, he said, eventually, and here you're down to the social credit system and the universal basic income. He said, everyone will be given credits for, for, for a, like a salary. Not for working. For those who work and for those who don't, you'll all get credits. And they'll simply appear into your bank or your credit uh, bank account. Uh, every week or every month, depending on what they decide, and you are, are again. You're going to understand everything you've heard of, like communism, capitalism, um, uh, the, the technocracy, uh, the scientific means of uh, of controlling societies. All of this all come together in in our present system which they knew would happen, and as I say, they wrote books about it. But Russell said that everyone will be given uh, so many credits per week or per, per month uh, that you wouldn't, there would be no tangible cash as such. And now, of course, you're on electronic, digital cash. But he said that um, you wouldn't be able to save it up. It'll appear uh, the same day of the month, uh, every month or every week. And if you've not used it all up by the end of the week, it would start off at the same amount again for the, for the following week. You couldn't save it up. And that way they would keep an equality of poverty amongst the general public. And that would stop so much, again, in their mind, complaining or, or aggression between peoples when they're all getting the same base. Very communistic in a sense. But don't forget, he was talking about the proper folk running your world. People like him, the perfect like himself, you know, folk like him, and uh, and again, it, it's so amazing. I remember reading years later from the from the United Nations on the idea of self policing. That's what they call it. And by using psychologists and behaviorists and um, 
the count, and we're all financed by our tax money. It's just incredible. The billions every year across the world they get thrown out to these parasites. They find ways to, to manipulate all of us on behalf of the masters. But he, he said that um, uh, what eventually the United Nations would be doing, and the United Nations then comes out with the same thing. Yes, self-policing is the way to go. We'll train people uh, in a Pavlovian sense, you see. In, in first, instill, instill the ideas when they're very young. And uh, so much so uh, that they'll never really break free. Very few can break free from the initial indoctrination. And that's very, very true. And um, it's his self-policing. They could change normalities, you see. He didn't use normalities. I've used that before, but that, that took off. But the fact is, um, all the social norms, the new normals, you see, uh, the new ideas, the new systems he would bring in of the present reality would be introduced to the general public. And then another uh, present reality. And... Uh, and that people would adapt and adapt and adapt into it. If you didn't adapt and you were angry or, or you weren't convinced it was the right way to go for you or society, you'd be punished. Now think about this, what's happening with, with getting cut off the net too. <laughs> but he said you would be punished uh, and your, your credits that would go into your account by the state every or someone appointed by the state, be some big banking conglomerate, I'm sure. He said that um, you wouldn't be able to pay a rent or even buy food then, you see. You'd be punished that way. So totalitarianism has his, uh, his ways to make things more efficient. That's really what he was getting at. And, and when there's nobody to complain to, you have to comply or you're down your knees or you starve to death or you freeze outside. And it's all, and they'll tell you, well, it's not your, it's not our fault, sir. We give you options, you know, and you could, if you just went along like everybody else, and that's what they always say in democracies, isn't it? If you go along with everybody else, they, what, I mean, these folk are all accepting these new rules. What's wrong with you? And so that's how they always force everybody into the same system or they punish you. By using everybody else's, is a. Whenever you see something as being temporary or or um, voluntary to start with, that's what they mean by that. Once you have a, a magic number, they say, "Well, you know, it's, we, we, it's just too efficient to, to to allow the stragglers behind to have a separate system, and they're using cash or whatever it happens to be. So therefore, we're, we're making it mandatory now, and that's how it all. Same with the vaccinations, by the way. That's why it's put out in exactly the same way. That they put it out for driving licenses, which were not mandatory at one time, or insurance for cars, which were not mandatory at one time, etc., etc. <laughs> it's quite something, isn't it? Always done that. Plato said it. He says, if you understand the techniques have been used in the past to get specific objectives accomplished, if you understand the formula that introduced them, and and, and you and it's okay, step one, you know, they're in a certain order, you see. If you understand, do this first, then that next, then that next, then, that, then the people will comply, and then the same behavior will be expected from them. It will, it will, it will show itself. It's very true. It doesn't matter about the, how advanced you think you are. The same behavior manifests itself. If you terrorize the public, a, a good chunk of the public, if you get daily terror, will turn on other ones. And then you can use them to force the other ones into compliance. See, that's how it works. And so, uh, 
Yeah, so there's Russell's um, his idea of a credit system you know, given to the public, tokens, of some kind, credits, call them what you want. And he came out with that by the 1950s. And don't forget, too, uh, he was also way up in eugenics. All these characters really believe in eugenics and the evolution of man. Now, if you're, if you're a nobody, they don't include you under the, the, the headline of man. You understand? There's, a, there's all these little hidden little caveats they have in normal language you just understand. And, and again, you can go into even the Rosicrucian ideas and Freemasonic ideas and, and Kabbalistic ideas of what man is. And then you go off in different tangents, different paths, etc., and if you really follow it all, you come to the, to the same conclusions in them all that's set out that way. Uh, certain people are really human, and some are not. That's what they believe. And uh, they used to always used to say at one time, and those, there's the ones who have spirit and those have no spirit. That goes way back even to the writings of Paul and the Bible, where he referred to those who couldn't comprehend at all what you're talking about, about decency and human beings and helping one another, and all. He said, these are people of instinct, or creatures of instinct, and you wouldn't get through to them, you see. And uh, there's some kind of truth in that as well. The people who are brute instinct are the ones that they do use for extermination camps. We saw that in the, in the, in the, the communist uh, gulags, and some, that incredible cruelty for 70 years. That's nowhere near... <laughs> Uh, the play that it gets uh, from Nazism, from a five-year stint, basically, or even eight-year stint, if you tally in before into the thirties, but now you've got uh, 70 years of horror and slaughter in the Soviet bloc countries. I keep every so often looking back at the, at, uh, the people who survived the gulags of Bulgaria, and the massive camps that were set up, and who lost their, and who, who got, were gathering every year after the 90s. And the horror stories these poor folk were telling you, and you'd tell it, their, their lives would never be the same, obviously. And, and the huge graves, mass graves that were dug up, never mind all the folk that were burned and, and even just dumped into waters and so on to decompose. Just horrible stories. Of utter brutality. Well, these the folk who run these camps are creatures of instinct. These are the people who are very base, and if you were under them too, you would have to think into realms you couldn't think before. Or they sim- would would call him a psychopath. Would that would that even come close? Would that satisfy you as a label to describe these people, or would you go even further because? Uh, they're creatures of instinct. You might just say they're completely possessed creatures, demonic. Because animals wouldn't treat other animals that way. And so you have to really question what these creatures are. Every country has them. And in every age, they have them too. They're, they're dirty squads that deal with dirty business. And... Um, and once you give them that kind of power, especially when there's, there's no oversight to it, uh, there's no real uh, caring about very detailed paperwork, uh, horrible things happen every day. And, uh, and it gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, it isn't enough for these characters just to kill people. They, they literally feed off them, in a sense. 
uh, of, their, of the, their anxiety, their fear, their terror, and their horror. They, they feed off them, and that's why they prolong uh, them, their lives in such horrible conditions of torture until they kill them brutally. And uh, I, I keep telling folk, you can't dismiss this. Again, back to Plato, if you understand the formula to get the public to behave in a certain way, or segments of the public to behave in a certain way, you can introduce it in the same with the proper sequence again, and the folk will respond exactly the same way to it in any era. That hasn't changed. We're seeing things happening today with this whole horror and terror put out from the top of COVID. Uh, which is, of course, a cover for a whole bunch of... Uh, it's a whole new world order, that's what it's for, uh, for the World Economic Forum, using all of the different arms and institutions all connected with them. Uh, never mind the big pharma industries, that literally are at the top of the tree and the, the ones who are promoting it at the top uh, to the general public on television have uh, massive shares in the pharma industries, for goodness sake, they're going to profit off this. This is in your face. But what you're seeing with the incredible terror they're causing amongst the public, very deliberate installation of abject terror. They, they, knew, they know exactly, because uh, I've read a lot of their studies already, <laughs> that they knew uh, who would be more prone to become terrorized quicker than others. And uh, it was women uh, to, to start with. It, it break, broken down into different age groups as well. And uh, and some of the other studies, they said they'd even use these women to terrorize the rest by when you see someone who, who's in a store who suddenly freaks out behind a, a counter or something because you either don't have a mask on right or you're not standing in the footprints that were painted on the floor. <laughs> and you're, you're all going along with this too. Uh, and they freak out. You're seeing an incredible aggression from them. They've done studies on the, the on the, the different signs that these people will, will show to the customers, from the hand out straight like stop like a policeman on traffic, to 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 a waving of the hands frantically, which is it's very much like what you will see the apes do in the jungle, if you look at Goodall's video, old video on them too, where they run up to you and they start wave their hands around as a warning. Well, that's how people behave too. People who are really terrified will behave that way. And they can flip any direction at all. And it's meant then, you, you, it becomes contagious because the person who's now being threatened is the customer, you see? And then the customer gets anxious and goes into an anxiety state. And then the arguments can start and all the rest of it because of it. They've already had people shot, by the way. Ontario, that's uh, uh, one of the stories I'll touch on tonight. Ontario, Canada. Um, and it's such an amazing piece of propaganda, disgusting propaganda, the way the stories are written about this old guy in his 70s. Um, and killed by police. And it all started because he wasn't wearing a mask in a grocery store. So now you have folk getting killed, an outcome of whatever happened, you see, in a grocery store. And the cops follow him back to his home, you know, he's dead. And all the papers could say is, and this is your standard PR thing, while he was a loner, you know, he didn't mix much with people. and like, So that's a crime now, is it? You kill folk for that, is that, is that the idea? 
And just see, there's nothing else they could, they could say about this guy. They don't want to touch on whatever happened inside the grocery store, where it all started. But when someone starts screaming at you and freaking, this old guy might have been out for months. He's maybe, maybe this is the first time he's seen the reaction to him. Who knows? You just don't know. But no, it's good enough that he, he didn't mix much with people. He was, he kept himself to himself. That's a crime now, you see. Keep yourself to yourself. So let's kill the folk. You know? Standard stuff. But anyway. This is how it was going now. With uh, And psychologists uh, are earning a heyday as they throw out grant after grant as they study us all, little animals that we are, you see, and, and how we're reacting to this and that and all the rest, and how to get round us. They may us all comply. Remember, I read the article, too, from the SAGE group in Britain and elsewhere. I mean, the SAGE group's got the BIT units and all kinds of them working with them across the whole planet. Every country's involved together here. And uh, and they actually said on the recommendations to the media, uh, and I put that out a few times, it's in cuttingthroughthematrix.com, my own website, so go in there and look up my previous talks on it. And they, um, they actually advised the, the newspapers and journalists to to increase pressure because they decided they want increased, an, increased anxiety amongst the public to help promote conformity. So... In other words, terrorize the public to, to get them to conform. And the media has gone along with it. This is in the open. Huh? <laughs> and, it's, and it's all media. And the TV is the biggest one of all, of course. Folk are sitting watching, tuning in every day to what they think now is their new lifeline to saving themselves. They're tuning in every day for their daily dose of horror and fear. Uh, you'll never get through to those people, and you you just won't. You can't do it. Can't do it. See, this this whole system is to try to stop you from even thinking for yourself altogether. And so, like that old fella, you know, that who got killed there. Uh, he obviously was. He wasn't watching TV. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, he'd have been complying and compliant and obedient and. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't have been a loner. Oh, he wouldn't like his privacy. Oh, what a crime, eh? What a crime! Let's kill him. And we'll never get the whole story of it. Who freaked out first in a store? Where it all started. Never mind why, and therefore the cops following them home. So that's what happens in this new system. You see, it could be you. It could be you. It's quite amazing. There's even articles from Ontario. Never mind just the, the COVID thing itself, but some of the, the kind of Antifa groups in Canada uh, turned on one of the reporters, and you probably know it's Rebel Media, like hate them or love them or whatever. Regardless, the fact is the guy did get pushed around. He went down to one of their meetings. Whenever it was possible, maybe he went down, I have no idea if he went down, because they were, they were thinking about um, either throwing eggs at uh, uh, an ex-Prime Minister or the, of Canada, one of the founders really of Confederation, or maybe even knocking the statue down. Who knows what they were really there for, but the fact is, uh, he did say, because they brought a lawsuit against the ones who were attacking them, physically, you know, in a public place. And uh, it turned out that uh, the leaders of the groups had asked the police in advance not to even attend that uh, 
protest, as they called it, you know, at the park. And the, the police complied. Well, we're, this, this is sad time. Sad time to be alive, isn't it? Because your own government, Canada, you see your member, is, is more communistic than other countries ahead of them. And I think that's the whole reason for all this happening. And can he just tell you that I guess the police are all part of it too, if they're going to comply with the ones who, who are out to destroy the past, no matter what you think of the past. Um, it's still public property. <laughs> and, uh, and they're complying with the ones they're going to do. This is bad news, folks. Really bad news, isn't it? And as I say, I don't really follow most of the stuff in Canada because it's, it's, it, it's, everything's so predictable here. It's very socialistic, to say the least. It's a, a progressive socialism is just a form of communism, of altering and destroying the past and the culture and everything else to bring in the new. It's the same system again, which the elite want us all to follow because everything that's happening across the world right now is with, uh, it's not just a compliance of the elite at the top. Because believe you me, if they didn't want this, it would never happen. All the riots and so on have been dealt with very quickly. In fact, they would never even, they've headed them off in the past before they got to moving. But, but this is what they want. This is the global reset. It's a new way of living. Um, it's with, for a, like Bertrand Russell's idea of a credit system. And uh, dishing out credits to you And tokens for money Electronic And you have to comply Or else you won't get your tokens every month To whoever is demanded of you It's all social control It's all here folks And uh, universal basic income Is all part of it too they didn't. They, they they knew this before they brought in the whole idea of of complete universal free trade by giving it all to China pretty well in the Far East. It wasn't just. Uh, don't forget, your, the, it was your governments that allowed all this to happen. They all signed on to it for China to be the manufacturer for the whole planet pretty well, and which they knew at the very beginning under free trade we'd all be unemployed in the West, <laughs> a good chunk of us anyway. And definitely the folk who worked in factories, and no matter what you think of them, folk had some pride in themselves because they did bring in their own income. And a lot of the work they worked at too, they made real things, which gave a form of satisfaction too. Today, we've got a miserable bunch of folk who, who could literally, they, they, they don't, again, there's that feeling of the 1970s of Britain where it was a feeling of lethargy in the air and, and literally, literally a depression. It wasn't just a financial depression. I actually wonder why they call it just depression. It's a, more meanings than one. And of course, there's a psychological depression that goes along with it. And that's what you have today when folk literally, literally um, don't know what they're here for. <laughs> and it's much easier for them, those at the top to say, well, yeah, we, we're wondering why you're here as well and why you're existing as well, you know, and... Why don't you all become sterilized and die off, a la H.G. Wells, eh, in his modern utopia? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, why don't you do that, you know, with the Fabian Society's idea? Just get sterilized, they may give you extra credits for it, and you give as much sex as you want, and uh, nothing, there'll be no fallout from it, there'll be a few diseases and things, but they can treat you for that, for most of it and all of it, and it doesn't always work. But, uh... Yeah, you can you can be quite happy, and you get a, 
a universal basic income and you'll die off. And maybe in 40 years' time, you see, a whole chunk of society will be gone that didn't procreate. And um, and the elite will get their much their, their vastly reduced population. Yeah. And during that 40 years, remember, they'll, they'll do more advances, more advances in genetic engineering manipulation. And they, they will bring in a brave new world scenario for their own, you see. At the very least, they'll have a, a slave population that they'll, they'll keep. They'll make them or produce them, create them. And uh, they won't complain much at all, just like Brave New World. Don't forget these, these books that were put out, you know, way back in the 1930s and before a lot of them, were put out because this is what was discussed at the height of empire. These were the things discussed by those who, who were maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh generation uh, of nobility you know, across Europe. And um, they were quite open about the societies they would like to bring in. And academia is always, a priesthoods are always, always happy uh, to accommodate the wishes of masters. Because it's the masters that couldn't make you a, a higher priest than you are at the moment, meaning scientists, right? And give you more respect, more responsibility, more income, more power. And it's sad that's how humanity really works, isn't it? It's to do with this power thing. And folk of all, all calibers. And it's so sad to men and women. Women are the same. You, you see them, and more and more of them getting in trouble, they're seeking for power and making a mess of it, or falling into the same traps as the men and scamming the books and so on when they're in charge of the public purse and things like that. Uh, materialism does that, doesn't it? Because that's all you worship eventually is materialism. And all the celebrities, as they call them, are awfully rich. You, you never see a celebrity that's, that's got an income of maybe 40 grand a year, do you? It wouldn't be a celebrity. You wouldn't follow them, would you? you people only drool when, when they see the, the lights flickering and, and the cameras going off at, at these celebs' shows. Because now they've got fame and fortune, you see. And in a materialistic world, that's what folk worship. Sad but true. Mind you, the other way is just as bad, because then you can go into a system where you, you pretend it's all altruistic and you'll work for a peanut wage and do really important work and get very little back from it at all. But you'll get all this, 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 this oh, you're such a nice person, you're a good person doing what you do for society. You can always, you'll always get used by the same psychopaths. I don't care what kind of system they bring in. It's astonishing, isn't it? And here they're trying to bring in, at the bottom level, really, the ones who are following them really believe this. Communism. Yeah? Marxism. After all the horrors, as I say, 70 years of mass slaughter and gulags and executions and mass graves, an expansion, naturally, because it was in, but uh, but uh, non-expansionist or colonial. Yeah, they're they're moving <laughs> their powers in all different countries in the world, and getting the public to work for peanuts. And yet, everyone who defected, including Besmanov and many others before him, they all started off their talks to the West by saying that they didn't, they never left for financial reasons. Never left the Soviet system for financial reasons. Because those who got into the KGB, for instance, 
uh, were, were the offspring of KGB and, and before that NKVD and so on and the Cheka. Just generations of them. They, they, they always got their own children into them. And they lived really high on the hog, like any top civil servant in any other country. That's what they said, you know. And so there was nothing that they lacked on the physical means for wealth and comfort and so on. Uh, so it wasn't, they didn't leave for that. They could had it all in, in, at, on their level in the communist countries where the folk literally um, had to line up and wait sometimes 10 years to get a phone installed if they, want, if they could afford to get one and get it permitted. Eh? Kind of like Britain. But um, yeah, it's quite fantastic to see how it really works. And here they're trying to bring it in again so that maybe a few hundred families can live at the very top uh, of utter luxury with their holiday homes in the countryside and servants taking care of them and all that. Huh? Yeah, re- real utopia, yeah. and everyone else is scraping by <laughs> and lining up at times to outside the main, the main big cities, lining up to get food. We used to show that all the time in the West when there was any kind of shortage. So they're trying to bring it now. Now, since the elite at the top who run the, the World Economic Forum, right? Let's repeat that, that for the harder thinking. The World Economic Forum they decide along with the the Bank for International Settlements. They send their members there too, and the World Bank and uh, the IMF and all the different groups are one big club, all private, all set up by private institutions like the ones who set up the United Nations, all from uh, the, the, basically the League of Nations into the United Nations with all these different uh, private bank groups to run the world set up by Lord Alfred Milner and eventually morphed into the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Running the world, eh? And they're all for this idea of using uh, the youth, the, the, as I say, the disaffected youth at the moment. They've had their mandatory indoctrination through school and college uh, to protest and demand that everything's all of civilization stop and we go back into some kind of um, Eden type of simplicity, etc., um, etc., et to save the world and the planet and all that because they've been brainwashed into it. And who, who will benefit from it all? Well, it won't be them. It'll be there. It's the ones at the top of the world economic forum. The global reset, the great reset, is a whole new way of living using a socialist Soviet type system to rule the public. Because then, just like Justin Trudeau said, he admires China, even with the COVID idea, because China doesn't have to bother having to, to get the public to agree on things and debate things and have their approval. Uh, China just get, tells them what they're going to do and they do it. Not as simple as that. You obey them or else. And um, he, he really likes that system. And to go along with what's happening, you have to truly, truly be a doormat, at the very least, to what's happening. When you don't have rights as an individual, uh, you're living in hell. Because that's what they had, as I say, in places like Bulgaria under the, the communist Soviet re- regime. You were seen as a mass of people, uh, dissidents, not not as individuals. And that's how you'd be treated by the police and everybody else. This is, hey, you, get in there and get in that line, stand there, blah, blah, blah. shut up, and that's it. That's your, that's your utopia.
And interesting enough, like like I've seen before in other countries, in Yugoslavia, they had that to an extent too, and I said in Bulgaria and other places as well. You, you, you hear the folk talking. Now, they came out of an era, right, 1930s and 40s, when, when they were younger, these people, a lot of them, that survived anyway. Uh, they belonged, they, they, they had their indoctrination into a form of socialism. Remember, communism was just socialism, uh, socialism in a hurry. That's where it always ends up, you see. But uh, some of them were, were anarchists, an agrarian type of anarchists, they had different groupings of them, all. they all had their ideas of the way to, to work and, and then trade you, 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 whatever you produced with other groups rather than use just, just money and so on. And when the communists take over, folks, they start off by using the anarchists, as they say, to realize no, the anarchists at the top are not anarchists, they're only really communists, and then they turn on all the ones they've used, and that's who ends up in the camps. <laughs> really sad, but true. So uh, it's true how things can repeat themselves. Mark Twain said they never really truly repeat themselves, they just rhyme. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, no, they can repeat themselves. They can wear different uniforms, different clothing, talk different languages, use different terminology, but it's the same thing. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's, it's a duck. Yep. It's quite fascinating to live through and see it being instituted, isn't it, in their lifetime? And, and the complete ruthlessness of governments literally telling the media to go along and actually increase anxiety by, by, by exaggerating the stories to get the folk to comply. By creating horror, terrifying them. And who knows how many folk already have lost their lives because they couldn't get into hospitals to get treated for basic things. That's murder, folks. This, 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 is, this is a generation that's been sacrificed. They knew who they'd sacrificed before it started by not allowing them into the hospitals. Hospitals are meant to treat people. Of all, with all problems, but most of them got, I mean, you had empty hospitals waiting to see their, their avalanche, incredible avalanche to say, oh my God, avalanche of COVID cases. Hmm? And folk weren't even getting picked up by ambulances or they were having heart attacks at home. Getting written off, or oh, just, just lie down flat in, in your home and see if it gets any better. And a day or two later, they're dead, eh, in their homes. Who's going to answer for it? You know that no one's going to answer for this. Because it's authorized from the top. What you're seeing is not a grassroots movement from the bottom, including the anarchists. <laughs> it's all been planned from the top by the richest folk on the planet. Some of them who finance all these things as you know give speeches one of them gave a, a speech at the end of the last WEF big meeting. And he's awfully popular and famous by by supplying money to all the different groups that are going at it to destroy society. He, he, he's, he's the last one to talk and give his talk. You're looking at a completely different governmental system dictating here openly. And you didn't give any approval to it. You were not asked about it. And your own political parties are a sham. We know that. They've been a sham for years. 
And Quigley himself was a big part of it, who was all for where the society was to go, a merging of all parties into one. You would keep the, the pretense of different parties, he said. But when they're all talking about the same things, election time, unemployment, health care, and, and so on, and insurance, education, he says, then it's the same party. It's, pretense. it's all pretense, meant to go that way. Then you're in a different system. And how can you have a, a government that literally uses your tax money? Every country does this, uses your tax money, hands all the problems over to private think tanks that decide who draft up the policy for governments to follow. All kinds of them, all kinds of think tanks, all private, all got their own particular bents on where the world is supposed to go for very important and rich and powerful people. Well, we don't. We, why bother with a government if they hand it all off to these private agencies? Well, what's the point? Government is supposed to serve the public, and what they say is, "Well, you know, if you, can, you can't complain to us about this because we, we gave this to these private agencies, so you, you have to you complain to them." That, that's this is how they cop out of it, taking taking the, the can, carrying the can, eh? Just astonishing to watch this happen over and over again. Well, we didn't plan on that. It was this think tank that decided on that, you know. Well, who owns the think tank? What do they stand for? <laughs> so we haven't had any kind of democracy for an awful long time. The colleges and universities have been t- were taken over phew, easy, you know, from the 1930s right through, the, and, ex- and picking up speed from the 1960s onwards, big time. And uh, but with the same characters, often they fled Europe into Britain and then over to the States and into universities and started teaching communist doctrine then as well. I could never figure it out. When I was young, I thought, why would I, when you studied communism and the policies of it, the complete overthrow of all existing governments, religions, family units, etc., then you had to obviously ask yourself, why on earth would your own countries, which were definitely uh, ruled by a, a leading establishment, mm-hmm, why on earth would they be allowing them to teach this stuff in universities in the UK and across the world? You have to start thinking like that. If you started up a subversive poetry group in Britain... <laughs> You would have been overthrown before you got the first few lines out of your mouth. It, it, this is, uh, no, it, it, but, it, but yeah, you could teach communism and Marxism in universities and colleges. I mean, I mean it, it didn't make any sense, did it? Because, you see, you've got an, an elite who doesn't you know, shrink from any task, who'd, who'd held an empire together by a massive bureaucracy of very efficient bureaucrats, really, and spies. But you allow them to come into the country, and you allow them to take money off the taxpayer and get paid through universities and so on, to teach subversive uh, tact, especially if you were the queen or king of England. Why on earth would you allow them in there when they vowed to kill you like they killed the czars? made no sense until you realize there's another game on the go here. Obviously another game. And it has to suit the ones at the very top. 
this game, or it wouldn't be happening. Wouldn't be happening. You always have to have a group that you can call upon, uh, who can, and you can radicalize them very quickly. Actually, it's like again, just pressing the right buttons at the right time, and you've got an instant, an instant internal army or mob to be used uh, against the system which you already run. Remember the dialects, you can how it works, eh? Society won't change too much very quickly uh, in, a, in a progressive, as they call progressive movement. Progression is a planned society. They, they know where they want to take it to, step by step by step. That's what they call this, is a progressive socialism. But it wouldn't happen itself, you see, unless the folk go along with it. So you must always, in the dialectic, you give them a problem. So you have the basic system, let's call it system. So you have the system, and then you create a problem against the system. You're not, there's a group that's not happy with it now. And so you have an anti-system. Then you have a conflict going to go. And out of that, you have your, your discussions and your debates, and you get a compromise, and that's your synthesis. That's what you wanted to in the beginning. If you only had one side that's quite content not to argue with anybody, that they're quite content the way things are, uh, then you won't have the change that you've planned. So you get an opposition movement set up, cause a conflict, and eventually the folk who are quite happy the way things were will have to do some kind of compromise, and you get part way to where you want to, to go. And that's, that's how it's done. It's a very simple technique. The thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And then the synthesis under, under communism or Trotskyism becomes the new thesis to start again. That way you can get constant change, all planned change as to where you... And what they say in, in the old, old communist literature too, is that what they're... Because they believe in evolution. <laughs> and they'll say this is just to speed up societal evolution to where it should go and would go uh, if, it was, if, it was, uh, if it was sped up, you see. So rather than wait for, for a thousand years for this to happen, let's do it in the four stages of this, 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 and this. And this is how it's done. It's planned, planned change. Most folk are oblivious of all this when they're living through it. You're given lots of entertainment and uh, for miserable lives. They give you all kinds of exciting things to watch. And they're oblivious that the reality, their very reality is catered to and given to them. The things they accept as normal today uh, were given to them. And even they've been through a process of not wanting a lot of the new normals that they've now accepted. That was all given to them too, including how to adapt to them. They don't know they were trained to adapt to the new normals. And so, well, you know, maybe they've got a point. It's, it's, It's so slickly done. And so, before I get into the, the meat of the talk, perhaps, you got to remember, before we, before we get again, right, because there's so much happening, that this planned alteration of society using COVID is, is a, the biggest, deadliest thing since, since uh, the atomic bomb, you know. Don't forget all the people who've already been sacrificed and who will still be sacrificed now that they're going to bring... I said, but I, I knew that back in February, they'd bring a spike, you know. Fauci said it. You, you can take it to the bank, whatever he says, because he's part of the planning committee for this before it even broke out. <laughs> he was, you know, these characters were all involved with the Johns Hopkins event 201. 
and uh, the, the events before that too for the Rockefeller Foundation groups and so on. It's the same clique. They went through all the stages of what they were going to do and what they wanted to do and and how they even forced the public to eventually accept va- mass vaccinations. Years ago they planned all this. How they'd go about it and how they'd even get it mandatory that... that uh, uh, oh, because it's so expensive for vaccinations, you see, that, that they've got to stop the mass waste of vaccines like they did in the last t- couple of non-event pandemics, uh, like the swine flu and so on, where millions and millions of the doses were dumped. Actually, they say that in their own writings at the CDC in the meetings that they had. And uh, because they were causing bad side effects, and the folk didn't want them, we didn't need them. And it even gave narcolepsy to a lot of school children in different countries. And, and never mind the long-term effects we don't even know yet. It can take years before some of them show. So they want to stop all that to make sure that it, the, the, the governments are going to guarantee to buy them all and use them all. So it's to take away the whole like, concept of free will and the compliance by individuals. And... Um, Basically tyranny, of course it is. It was tyranny. So getting back to what I was saying, look at all the folk who've died already because they couldn't get into hospitals to get treatment. Uh, never mind the folks, you know, old folks' homes, that the disgraceful, disgraceful what's happened. They were all written off pretty well by the system and the establishment and the mandatory <laughs> putting infected folk in with non-infected people. And never mind the fact I really do, as far as I can see, um... Well, I won't even go into it right now because you get hammered, absolutely hammered if you come out with anything that hasn't come out of the same mouth as Fauci, um, the major domo of the pandemic movement. But um, there are treatments. There are treatments. Of course there are. There's even standard treatments that were done long before this one broke out. They should have all been used and... Um, but no, they wanted panic, they wanted terror for the big push, for the global reset, etc. You can't crash whole economies across the world on purpose by mandating that all the healthy folk are quarantined without collapsing the economy. That's what the global reset's about. Out of this is to come a new system, a new, a new normal of, of money or economy and so on, with a whole new set of rules for everybody to follow. And I've no doubt you'll all be getting your lifelong, well, maybe however long that will be, actually. Your life not might, might be that long, but your lifelong um, stay-at-home credit system, basically. Token system or universal basic income. And they won't stop. You know, they've had their, their taste, you see of the acceptance, and because and they're constantly studying us all, and are, are, how many folk tonight, in this very moment, are, are, are worried about all the old folk who've died already, and the folk who are going to die because of negligence, and it's a system that's already bringing in euthanasia, like Canada, has already got it, that's not very reassuring, is it? Uh, you know, where's it going to go next? Huh? Where's it going to go next? Just think about that. And the most versatile disease ever, ever, ever designed on paper. As I say, that they covered every symptom under the sun. A sneeze, not a sneeze. A runny nose, a stuffy nose, a clear nose, a temperature, no temperature. Yada yada yada. You know, makes no difference. Eh? You, you're not going to get out with this one. 
<laughs> because they've covered everything. Feeling normal, <laughs> that doesn't mean it. Yada, yada, yada. Hmm. It's a big, big show for a much bigger plan. And again, I've, I've even got the articles here from the, the CDC and the World Health Organization from years ago. Lots of stuff they put out on mandatory vaccinations and how they would try and get them introduced, etc. Lifelong um, booster vaccinations for all adults too. Lifelong, like annual. <laughs> uh, yeah, pin cushions, eh? So you, so the, so the, the companies you see who are run, now ruling you are the owners of the corporations that own the vaccines. Huh? They're the ones mandating what you're going to do and how you're going to behave. You talk about fascism. Whoa, private partnerships between corporations and governments, and you have to accept it. The consumer, you or whether you like it, are not going to be a consumer of their products, their mandated products. Can you imagine if this says, you know? To all gardeners out there in the world, only this one company here that's donated to us and actually donated to run for politics and so on and, and the political party, you've got to buy their, their digging spade. No, no other one's going to be allowed. You better buy theirs. You know where, where, where folk would tell me, shove it. Eh? But in this scenario, we're going to save you by mandating you must take our products, whether it works or not, or even has any adverse effects. It makes no difference. That's a death sentence for a lot of folk. If you get a response to this thing, and, and, and Fauci's already said it, mind you, you know, 700,000 will die across the planet with a vaccine as a side effect. It's amazing how they come out with this stuff when before, when before that was denied there was any side effects to anything, <laughs> even before we're dropping dead and having, uh, having fits on the floor, uh, seizures. Mm-mm-mm. And it was amazing too. You knew from the beginning for Fauci, Foxy Fauci, because he did say it. He wanted to be a complete lockdown right into next year, from February onwards, or, or March, right, right into next year. He said that. And maybe he says in two or three years it'll be over. You know, be meant with his vaccination and your own immune system, right? Even even though you, you, you would have proof you've got positive antibodies, because most folk, it goes through you anyway, like all viruses do. The same viruses go through millions of people every day across the planet, all kinds of viruses, including COVID groups, family groups. And you don't even know, they're harmless. That doesn't matter. Facts don't matter, you see. When there's a big agenda here, and you don't forget that getting your own immune system working, having it work and defeating this thing and creating antibodies, well, it, 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 there's no profit in that, for goodness sake. You've got to get their vaccine. Your own antibodies might only, well, rather than the standard three to five to ten years that it might work, you see, your own antibodies. Fauci said, oh, well, we, we can't be sure your antibodies will protect you for more than a few months because they've got massive profits. They're just staring them in the face. They've never had such a windfall before staring them in the face. And they've worked hard to make this happen, for goodness sake. Even though <laughs> your own antibodies would be the final thing that would work anyway. Either caused by your own immune system taking over you wouldn't even know you've had the damn thing, most of the folk. Or it would be uh, stimulated by 
a vaccine using a, a dead, weakened virus, as opposed to the Moderna one, which, of course, is going to alter your cells in your body. We always called that cancers before. Mutations, eh? Mm-mm-mm. But no, the way they've been dying to go this new way for a long time. Let's start altering humans, eh? The great herd for the brave new world. Mm-mm-mm. And make it mandatory. This is a horror show. A horror show. I don't even care if they pretend I've tested it on so many volunteers before. I don't care. It takes years of studying what happens to those folk afterwards. What's the, what's the immediate effects? What's the, um, what's the intermediate uh, between a seven to ten year study effects that have broken out since then, etc., etc.? That's what you do, folks. That's what you do. Here's another thing you should think of too It's illegal uh, You get charged the, the, the police charge Drug addicts Who threaten them With either biting them Breaking the skin Biting them you know, Or, or trying to stick needles in them Or even spitting at them with really, it's life-threatening. If that person's got AIDS, they could threaten your life. So it could be manslaughter, attempted manslaughter, or something like that, you see, or murder. But here's companies going to mandate your governments, to mandate to you, to stick all kinds of things into your body. Same thing. But when the white coat ones do it, it's under science. It's different from a junkie sticking it into you. Huh? What? <laughs> really? You may have more idea what's in the junkies one they use needle. They put it to stick into you. Well, trust us, they say. Trust us. You better do your homework. There's lots of information out there that's, that's literally verified by the same organizations that uh, throughout the years and the massive lawsuits have had on terrible effects on all kinds of vaccinations, including the ones that they would draw from Canada. A few years ago, because they found out that uh, they had vaccinated Canadians with a, a flu shot and, and it was the wrong kind or whatever, but they said that literally it opened them up to, to that year's flu and a pneumonia. And you get a cytokine storm, which would kill you. That's still there. You can look it up, pull it up, and ponder it, eh? Because you have to use facts, and even if you use facts, they're going to hammer you anyway. They, they said at the event 201, by the way, if you went through the whole thing, it was awfully interesting. There was different stages they would go through into, into voluntary compliance, then getting a bit more severe with the public, and then forcing it, forcing compliance. Fauci, by the way, I might touch if I can find the article, it, it mentioned that it's, it's maybe time to start forcing compliance on the public. For masks and, and behavior and distance and all that stuff, forcing it, forcing is that's what uses the word. But it's still lead up to the forced man, uh, mandatory vaccinations, you see. And it's up to the public to 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 either start saying no, we've had enough of this nonsense, because there's no backing out of it once you once you've gone halfway. You see, this is how they do things with percentages. Well, so many folk have accepted. What's wrong with you, eh? This is a democracy. And sure enough, just like as I've mentioned before, Tammany Hall, and then the mayor, Tammany Hall, from that movie, um, 
Gangs of New York. Awfully well done, that movie, actually. He, he, he said that about the public. He says, no, we can almost hire or get one half of the public to kill the other half. Well, that's what they do. The use that once are terrorized to force you to comply and be as terrorized as they are, you see. Okay, okay, yeah. And go through all the different rituals. All designed by computers <laughs> for social distancing. Not, not five feet, 11, no, six feet. Six feet, you know. Yeah. Utter rubbish. Yeah. And then, of course, in the summer, they said, wait, it's okay, you could probably bring it down to three feet now for the summer. That was from Britain. And I guess they're back up to the six feet again. They keep you jumping back and forth, and it's all shadows. Shadows. It's like trying to jump on your shadows as a child in the sun behind you. And you, the shadows on the pavement. Same idea. Keep you jumping. Right? You'll never get it because you can't really comply when there's all kinds of obscure and deliberately obscure orders getting shouted at you. It's meant to throw you off guard till you, till you have no reasoning ability left. You won't trust your own judgments. That's a psychological warfare. Remember, folks, too, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and toss a few bucks my way. You can use PayPal, you can send cash or checks. And uh, I'll take along here as, as long as I can. I mean, you know darn well it's all coming short now. They're getting rather nasty. And um, they won't just stop, obviously, with uh, pulling folk off social platforms and things. They, they actually mentioned it 201, as I say, with the, with the maybe five-stage plan or whatever, the, the, the steps they would take with uh, even arresting people. And uh, you've been an enemy of the... It's the same thing in all totalitarian regimes. You become an, en, an enemy of the people. And, of course, the, the tyrants, just like communism, they, they represented the people, the guards that picked you up. You're, and that would be the charge against you. And you're an enemy of the people, you know. <laughs> so any excuse will do And things repeat themselves Because it's an agenda But they said yeah, they, they would take all these different ways Make it um, um, absolutely impossible To you survive financially As a start That's just, It's an old trick that enemy mind you But uh, yeah Ruthless And when they send cops right now to shoot um, uh, People who've had an argument in a store An old guy Then uh, well and, uh, and if that gets accepted, which it probably will in Canada, uh, then that's a warning to everybody else, you see, to you better comply. Really, these things are very, very significant. As I say, when they give you ridiculous, uh, nothing, nothing else to say about the old guy except, well, he, yeah, he lived alone and, you know, and uh, didn't mix much with the people, yeah. So what? So what? We're supposed to go around all the local chit-chats and booze with them all and get drunk with them all and slap their backs and then talk behind their backs about them. No, no. Guy kept himself to himself. But that's an evil thing. Because they can't find anything else right off the bat to justify what's happened to them. That's why they put that rubbish out there. That's how things happen. So as I say, cuttingthroughmates.com. You can buy the books and discs, by the way. And... um I think the whole backlog was, was, it wasn't huge, but it's all out now. And uh, folk have either got them or they'll get them in the next few days, I suppose. But that helps me take along here because, uh, yeah, we're going to get locked down for another winter, obviously.
And they want to get to folk vaccinated before the snow flies, it seems to me. And uh, I guess if you don't comply initially before they make it mandatory and, and you know lock you up and do it physically to you, whether you like it or not, then uh, you, you won't be allowed to leave your home. That's actually got articles from Australia saying much the same stuff, you know. You'll be locked in your home. That, that's that's the way. That, no, say to you, we're not stopping you, sir, from from going out to the stores. If all you have to do is comply, and, you know. Yep. This is how things are done. They, they coerce you into things. That's how the system in the West always works. And remember too, when you go into cuttingthroughwitches.com, make sure you list all the sites I have in case the com goes down. That way, hopefully, you can, I can still get my shows out to you, and you can find them in one of the alternate sites I've got listed. These are my official sites at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. So make sure you do that, just in case. Because we're living through amazing times, aren't we? And authority, especially when it's a totalitarian authority, it doesn't accept anything outside of itself, any, any little nuisance. I wouldn't say any competitor. It's only when it comes to countries between countries, you have, they, won't they won't accept competitors. But when it comes to individuals in society, you, you're not even a, a, a midgie, as they say in Britain, or, a, or even a mosquito in Canada. Uh, you're, you, they just want you out of the way, and that's where tyranny goes in these situations, always using wartime scenarios, uh, complete tyranny uh, for conformity, naturally. So it's, uh, it's quite something, isn't it? But here's an article here about the, the, the mass. I'll put a few ones up tonight, perhaps, maybe at least one or two. And this one is from the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And it gives you an idea for those who want to just argue the facts. What's the point anymore? Because facts don't matter when there's a big agenda. The agenda came before uh, all of this. And they go into uh, COVID, uh, SARS-CoV-2 particle, 0.125 micrometers. Right, and it says influenza virus size is zero point zero eight to zero point one two, and then that's nano, uh, that's um, microns. And this is, I've always been fascinated with when folk get to understand the, the terminology that's used in medicine or even in psychiatry. They always change it. You see, any any science or one, even when it comes up to the pretenses of sciences, because all these things came from literally um, rather barbaric <laughs> techniques of treating people in the hope that they could help them. All of them, all of them did. You know, you should see what they were selling uh, the public in the in the nineteen hundreds at one time in the eighteen in the eighteen hundreds or the nineteenth century. Uh, even earthworms, they crush them up in a powder for and give. And you can actually see that in some of these old um, shows. Uh, that dealt with uh, the past and how how the old pharmacy used to be, the chemists as they called them in Britain, what they ground up for themselves, for the for the potions and so on. Quite amazing stuff. And a lot of it really was was kind of uh, you know we, we called the kind of quackery in a sense, but uh, other things were pretty pretty good. When it came to even again treating common colds and so on. You, you, when they, they they found eucalyptus in other countries and you could start to bring the stuff in, it really is good in a bowl of hot water when you've got a bad cold or something. Could they, the day you just get labelled as COVID and that's you. But um, yeah, these things were really pretty 
pretty good, actually, for, for the problem. But anyway, here we go into this thing. So they changed the terminology, you see. I noticed it too, even in psychiatry, when you used to have manic depression, people who would go from manic bouts of hyperactivity, and then they'd be followed eventually by a phase of melancholy or depression, and sometimes suicide. Uh, but once the public, through lots of TV shows and things, got used to the idea of what these things were and the problems, they changed it again to bipolar, you see. And um, and that's what they do too with with anything, even in the the physical problems as well. Like uh, like we're talking about microns, eh? And uh, people over the last few years started to get, get used to the idea of microns and micron size that would get through mass or would get or would get, get blocked by mass, certain mass and so on. But now they've, they've got, they don't use micron now; it's called micrometer. You see. And that's the preferred name now for micron, which is an older term, you understand, so that you can't converse with each other or to doctors or, or surgeons. Eh? Anyway, this is, so the virus is transmitted through respiratory droplets produced when an infected person coughs, sneezes, or talks. Larger respiratory droplets, like about five, I guess five microns, yeah remain in the air for only a short time and travel only short distances, generally one meter. The reason I think there's no way. <laughs> they fall to the ground quickly. Eh? And again, this, is like this, this one scenario fits all. It doesn't fit all. If there's warm air in the place, it, 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 could, it could travel quite well. It may even go up with thermals, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But here's it, they fall to the ground quickly. And so it shows you a, a, a link to the Lancet in Britain, right? A journal, Lancet, medical journal. And uh, so you can look up that text. If you really are obsessional, you can look that one up for yourself. So this is, this idea guides the CDC, Center for Disease Control, advice to maintain at least six foot distance. They're trying to figure out ways now, you see, to justify the six foot thing that have been kind of shredded since it literally was designed by a young schoolgirl, and Daddy wanted to get her a good, a good, uh, you know, a, a good markup, so to get into so one of the most prestigious universities, basically, by helping her with her computer program to decide, so that God computer could decide um, how far apart we should be, etc. That's that's a fact. I've mean, done the story before, folks. This, this is this is in the newspapers at the time. <laughs> And here you are, they're following this guidance. A schoolgirl, computer program again, and her daddy worked with the military-industrial complex. Right, it's a, that's a coincidence, though. And, and, and they actually mentioned in the articles, too, the Department of Defense came to see her and daddy about it, you see? Because they have their own health department. They keep up on all this stuff, because if the troops get sick with anything, they've got to be ahead of the game if they want to still win wars. Anyway, so the, this is the idea for a six-foot distance. It's, all to, it's, all to, it's to destroy natural social contact, is what it is. It's a psyops again. So the virus laden small, uh, five uh, microns, it says here. Aerosolized droplets can remain in the air for at least three hours and travel long distances. So that kind of contradicts that one, too. And... Um, so there you are, I get, get, oh my goodness, some of them apparently just dropped to the ground and and a few feet, and then, but here's one, here's the CDC, and it says, you know, it, um, it can remain in the air for at least three hours and travel long distance. So that's what I'm saying, you're always given these contradictory reports in the same articles, 
Because then you can't believe anything. You can't even believe your own common sense when what you're given by professionals makes no common sense. You understand? This is psychological warfare. And it says, um, air currents and air-conditioned environments, these, these large droplets may travel further. This is why you get degrees at universities and get big paychecks, eh? Uh, because, uh, yeah, if you've got air conditioning that blows air around, it may travel further. That's a stroke of genius. However, ventilation, even the opening of an entrance door in a small window, can dilute the number of small droplets to one half after 30 seconds. I wonder who got, who got the money, a few million, to do this study, yeah? of speculation. And this study, it says, looked at droplets from an uninfected persons. This is clinically relevant because poorly ventilated in public spaces like public transport and nursing homes have high SARS-CoV-2 disease transmission despite physical distancing. It's because they don't get ventilation. Everything's shut in. You're sealed in the darn place like a tomb. Ah, and so that's another article by Lancet. Then it says objects and surfaces, person to person touching. So it's a natural thing in the world is person-to-person touching. The CDC's most recent statements regarding contracting COVID-19 from touching services, based on data from lab studies on COVID-19 and what we now we know about uh, similar respiratory disease, it may be possible that a person can get COVID-19 by touching a surface or object that has the virus on it and then touching their own mouth, nose, or possibly their eyes. The agency wrote, but this isn't uh, thought to be the main way the virus spreads. So they've got another way it might be spread. So they give you lots of links to waste your life looking up. And this is a Chinese study with data taken from swabs on surfaces around the hospitals. And they give you that one again. I read that ages ago. The surfaces were tested with the PCR, a polymerase chain reaction test. Remember I mentioned before last week, I mentioned that um, the guy who invented it said this stuff, this, this test is useless as a, as a diagnostic tool. It's not meant for diagnosing these things in people. That's where you get all these false positives and false negatives and so on. Anyway, it was greatly amplifies the viral genetic material if it's present. The material is detectable when a person is actively infected. This is thought to be the most reliable test. Well, if that's the most reliable, the, but you, you should really do what I said at the beginning, back in February and March. Just hire some elderly women who meet together every so often. You can hire them, and they, they can read tea leaves. Just get the old tea, you see, or, or just tear the bag and put the tea leaf in the cup and put it in the bottom water. And they can tell the future more reliably for individuals than any of these ridiculous, well-exposed, bogus tests, which where even the inventor said it is not a diagnostic tool. <laughs> it's astonishing, really. Again, facts don't matter. So anyway, uh, computer mouse, and they tried different things, trash cans and sick bed handrails and doorknobs and so on. And yada, 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 plastic, steel, the whole different, uh, uh, how, how long it might survive in different surfaces, paper compared to stainless steel or cardboard, copper, floor, etc. And some other genius got this, but they bought me that list there, it says, and this is probably someone who's very important that said this, gravity causes droplets to fall to the floor. Wow. Wow, thank you. They must think we're real morons, eh? Yeah. It says half of the ICU workers all had virus on the bottoms of their shoes. 
wow, there you go. Like I've just discovered this kind of thing, eh? Imagine that. Wow, yeah. You know, the hospitals over the years, especially in the States there, had really slashed the domestic cleaning staffs to save money, to get more profits. I used to talk to a lot of folk in the hospital, and still do, and uh, yeah, they couldn't believe it. Even some of the surgeons said the same thing. They were the ones that traveled in different hospitals. and said they couldn't believe that that's how, especially in New York and different places, how filthy a lot of the hospitals were because they cut so many of the, st- the cleaning staff. This is like over the last few years. And you've got to have, I don't care even regardless of COVID, you've got to have cleaning staff and and disinfecting the, the, the different walls and floors and the whole bit. That's how you keep these things down, eh? All these different kind of diseases. Anyway, it's got uh, data from University of Illinois in Chicago Review and so on. That goes into the, the efficiency particulate air filters, and it goes through the masks too. They start off with the HEPA-type filters, eh? And masks and respirators work by collecting particles through several physical mechanisms, including diffusion, small particles, and interception and impaction, large particles. And um, I don't know if people know it, but masks, never mind the fact that most of these things won't work for you anyway. <laughs> and supposedly this particular virus, eh? The N95 masks are meant to go, if, you, if you're going, going in, you see, if you're going into a, a contaminated area, uh, where outside of you in the mask is, is contamination, uh, that's what M95 is supposed to be for. So that anything you're breathing in yourself is going to filter it, right? Uh, and there's an electrostatic kind of charge builds up in those masks too, folk don't really know about. So that helps to to stick it to the outside surface. That's the idea behind, or the theory behind it, right? But when you get into surgical masks, a surgical mask is where you put, you're not going into a contaminated area, you're going into a sterile area, like like an operating theater. And the idea there is it'll trap, hopefully it'll trap any bacteria or virus you're breathing out from yourself, and it'll get trapped inside that mask. That's the idea behind it. The M95, you're going into a contaminated atmosphere outside of you in the mask. So is that you won't get contaminated. So it's a completely different purpose, if you understand that. And uh, and the other ones with the little earbands are just uh, they help disguise you if you don't want folk to notice who you are. I think that's the only real, real purpose of them, to be honest with you. It might, if, if someone's got a heavy, thick mucosal, mucosal cough or something, it might help stop some of the thick mucosa getting stuck on it. it might, that might get trapped in it, but they're really pretty well useless for anything else like that. Yeah. And, and cloth ones, by the way, uh, any kind of cloth, it's really cotton and so on. Right? And some of the, these, these cloth ones that are selling have got you know, interwoven nylon amongst them too. Moisture is trapped too. And depending on the material, mold will build up in it quite quickly, by the way, especially in the summer. You shouldn't be... You understand, you're given nostrils to breathe in the atmosphere because your body needs oxygen. 
You don't have flaps going over your nostrils to close it off. You see? You're not a seal or something like that. Yeah, you, your, your nostrils, you can't close off. Unless you, I guess you could plug them up with cotton wool or something. But the fact is, the reason they're not plugged up and you don't have a valve for them is because you're, you're designed, because your body really needs oxygen. You shouldn't be putting any impediment in the way of it. There are folks, uh, even in Sudbury, who've collapsed wearing masks and get carried off by ambulances because they can't get the oxygen. And once you have the, the, the moisture build up from your breath on the cloth, on the cloth or in the paper and clogs the pores and the fibers, uh, you're getting suffocated. <laughs> this doesn't, I'm doing this for free. <laughs> I guess if I, if I belong to some of these organizations, they did, they give me a few million just for stating that fact. But, uh, cause everybody else is doing that with their hands away. But this is the farce of all. And, uh, this article here has got a breakdown of the efficiency with N95 and um, T-shirts, using T-shirts, the cloth for that, because it's got a 10% efficiency until it gets clogged. It was scarves. Well, how ridiculous. This is, well, a scarf made of what? It doesn't say. Scarves, 10% to 20%. Cloth masks, 10% to 30 Absolute farce. Sweatshirts, 20 to 40, and towels for... There's all kinds of towels as well, eh? Off the cloth mass, the materials had near zero efficiency at 0 0.3 and, and microns. Eh? Or then they call them micrometers now. Eh? A particle size that easily penetrates on to, into the lungs. So the cloth masks were useless. That's what it says here, eh? And um, another study evaluated the 44 mass respirators and other materials with similar methods and similar aerosols, 0 0.08 and 0 0.22 microns. And uh, medical mass, 55% efficiency, right? Again, medical mass, what kinds of medical mass? Was it uh, surgical or N85? What were they? Yeah. General masks, 38%, until they get moisture on them, of course. Handkerchiefs, 2%, <laughs> one layer to 13%, four layers of efficiency. Actually, you get 100% efficiency if you've got a dozen handkerchiefs on there because you can't breathe at all and you'll be dead. And if you're dead, obviously, it's very efficient because you can't breathe anything in. So there you go. There's another million dollars for that advice. Conclusion, wearing a mask will not reduce SARS-CoV-2. I'll repeat that for the hard of thinking. Wearing masks will not reduce SARS-CoV-2. N95 masks protect health workers, but are not recommended for source control transmission. Hmm? So there you go. Because again, surgical masks are better than cloth, but not very efficient at preventing emissions from infected patients. So again, N95 is to stop it coming into you, right, from a contaminated atmosphere. Surgical masks are, are, to, are, to, are to protect a, a sterile environment outside of yourself, but not to stop it coming into you from infected patients outside. That's the idea behind it. And the cloth mask will be ineffective at preventing SARS-CoV-2 transmission, whether worn as source control or as a person, a personal protective equipment, PPE.
And it gives, it also says that it gives a, people a, a false sense of security. So there you go. And don't forget in Asia, they were wearing the mask at the very beginning. It didn't stop it there, right? But this article I'll put up for those that want to look at it, and it's from the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And you can go on and on with facts, but it really doesn't really matter. Big agenda, big agenda, folks. It took years to plan this agenda and the, and the complete global reset of everything. It isn't just money, it's a whole way of living into austerity, into a future where rationing is the norm, including all energy rationing. I've said that, I read the articles years ago on the air in a radio show that I was on, and I, I read the articles, austerity. They planned austerity and planned brownouts and how governments had gone along with it. They signed it on at the climate meetings and the sustainability meetings. Uh, They'd start to reduce energy and make it more expensive. That's all energy for keeping you alive, for cooking, for for everything, for heating yourself. Here's an article here to one of the, the articles from one of the sources, and it's Man Shot Dead by OPP. After mask dispute was, it was very reclusive. Neighbor says, oh, there you go. There's the, there's your, I guess that's the reason you kill him, eh? Very reclusive, neighbor says. Why would they even put that part in the paper, eh? Hmm? Because they can't think of anything else. <laughs> so the, the guy who got shot was 73-year-old. Hmm. Halliburton County, Wednesday morning. It says he, he lived in the, the area for several years but didn't seem to have any friends. Well, that's a wise thing at times. Because often the, the friends aren't your friends in the first place and they're often in heavily in the booze. <laughs> and even the older ones are into drugs big time, a lot of them too. And if you want him to be by himself, that is his choice. That is his choice, folks, you see. So there you go. That's a good reason for, you know, that's it. And it says the CBC News has confirmed the victim's identification, but is waiting for police to name him after they notify his next of kin. The Ontario Provincial Police said the man had refused to wear a mask and allegedly assaulted a grocery store employee, allegedly, right, before driving away. They could say it could just be an argument, and they'll put it down as assault, who knows. He was later, uh, the, the cops followed him home, apparently. And he was later shot dead. Well, that's a good excuse. He was a loner. Eh? He liked peace and quiet. And, uh, you know, there you go. That's a good reason you kill him, eh? <laughs> you understand how, uh, where did they dig this stuff up? Says, he was a very reclusive man, says a neighbor. Eh? He's been here, I'd say, between eight to ten years. And it mentions the neighbor, right? He built a big new house. That's a good reason they won't like him, it, and, and will not have. He will not have nothing to do with anybody. Oh, really? That means he'll have something to do with somebody. He won't even speak. He just very, very much to himself. Doesn't want to be around. And he had big no trespassing signs. Well, often you'll need them too. Otherwise, you get all kinds of nuisances. And snowmobiles going through in the winter, and ATVs going through in the summer. He's a strange, strange man, he added. Well, that's a good reason to kill him. And see, there, is this the best they can come up with here? Hmm? Huh? There you go. 
said police were called to a value mart in Minden just after 8 a.m. Wednesday. And it says the officer spotted the man's car and tried to stop it, but they refrained in the interest of public safety before doing a follow-up investigation. Uh, according to the SIU, the man drove away and an officer saw the car and started following it for a short while. So they got his license plate and then they made their way to his home on Indian Point Road. Outside the home, there was an, inter- an interaction and two police officers fired their guns. There you go. So there you go, that's it. So I guess you you really have to be careful now, because I've said before, uh, a lot of the people who work in the stores are absolutely hysterical. Now, they are. And uh, I've heard them yelling at people. Yelling at people, you know. You, get over there, you know. Get, you know. That kind of thing. And it wouldn't take much to start off a, a really big argument with them. And the cops will side with them immediately, you know. Well, you see, they're in, they're in store, they're in charge of the store and so on. And that's just the way it turns out to be, eh? All because of a lot of nonsense that literally would never have happened unless it was this whole pathetic terror campaign put out by the media. Uh, this working hand in glove with Big Pharma, obviously. You know, and the big uh, WEF boys and gals and the global masters. Eh? And once again, you get fed up with it. Oh, you don't need a mask now. Oh, you need it now. Eh? Yeah. Oh, you only need it in some places. No, you've got to play it where everywhere now. Yeah, did, 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 did. Uh, as they have you jumping and again, again, chasing your shadow, basically. But folk are dying, not just in the hospitals with this nonsense. Getting stuck on ventilators, as I said before, when they shouldn't even be on them. There's other treatments, and uh, if, if and, and now, of course, it's folk in the, in the National Health Services in Britain and elsewhere who came out before and talked about what was happening. And now they can't. They're, they've all been threatened with their jobs if they speak to the press about what's happening. This is tyranny, folks. This is incredible tyranny. I think back to the night nine eleven two thousand and one. And how they immediately went into a wartime scenario that was planned by the same group in the Bush campaign who backed him up and were all part of the cabinet and so on. The PNAC group, the Project for New American Century, that really wasn't for America at all. And they published their, their, their list of countries that wanted to be taken out. But they said before 9-11 happened, they would need uh, something on the, the scale of a Pearl Harbor event to get public opinion to back them for these wars that they had planned. And bingo, they got 9-11 came along, eh? On a, on a, a practice rehearsal day for the towers to be hit, eh? <laughs> Just coincidence. And um, and they, took, they, they told the, the, the Air Force that normally comes in to any, because they know who's coming in, what, what flights are coming in, what uh, paths are supposed to be on. And they're scrambled immediately when they veer off their path and head towards the cities. And, uh, and they're told to stand down. I think it was Cheney and Rumsfeld at the top that were in charge of that particular day's tests. You can't make this stuff up. This is published stuff. Eh? It's not made up stuff from conspiracy sites. It's, it's admitted to. It came out during the quarries. Yeah. 
inquiry. So anyway, yeah, you're, you're living through amazing times. So a Pearl Harbor event to get a wartime scenario. It's always important for big changes to get a wartime scenario. Carl Quigley, right? You can get more done socially, like changing society, and five years of war than 50 years of peace using propaganda and persuasion, see? So bingo, COVID, bingo. The facts don't matter. doesn't matter. Numbers don't matter. Folk not dying doesn't matter. This is to change the system, the global reset, remember. A wartime scenario. You'll do what you're told under wartime scenario. The police get more, more um, brutal, obviously. When they're given these kind of uh, intimations of more power, obviously, again, the same police are told to stand down and will stand down when folk are going around burning <laughs> cities. <laughs> uh, we're in trouble. I hope you realize that. This is not going to be pleasant, uh, going through these big transitions. not pleasant at all. And it's planned that way. Planned. And there'll be tremendous casualties. Never mind the folk have already died by getting put in and stuff and getting, getting these darn things stuck down their trucheas. And um, rather than traditional treatments, like medical treatments that they have. Right? I'll put that article up again, the one where you actually hear a doctor tell you how much they get paid if they put down a COVID diagnosis and get them on a ventilator. It's like 40 grand extra in the hospitals. But we're going to go through bad, bad times. And out of it too, they're going to get folk out of the country, Agenda 21, right, for the 21st century. If you read the agenda for the 21st century, the, the breakdowns here, looking like 2030 and all the rest of it, 2050, these are just the, 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 the milestones to, to get so much of it implemented. But the actual agenda for the 21st century had everything that has to happen in the 100 years span. Right? And again, no private vehicles. Well, shortly there'll be no gasoline vehicles at all. They've already said they're going to have them off the road by 2030 anyway. And this, this global reset is going to help because if, there's, if folk can't be allowed to drive so much, then you're going to cut back on the, the creation of gasoline and diesel. And uh, then you're going to get your rationing, folks. And then you'll be in trouble. And the government steps in with the, this dust off the old plan. Oh, yeah, but this part we move on to now. We'll deliver to certain places for a short time. But we'll encourage everybody in the country to move out the country into the cities. Ding, 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 ding. You're starting to get a picture, eh? They need all this to happen, you see. And without it, they couldn't make it all happen. The, 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 the Club of Rome and the WEF said, under this so-called crisis, right, under this crisis, COVID crisis, it says we shall be able to accomplish all the things which we couldn't, we couldn't accomplish by persuasion. They pretty well said the same thing as Quigley had said years before. For sustainability, you see. Using climate change as a big, the big battering ram. I'll put again that that same one of the guys who's left the, the climate uh, agenda, who said that it's pretty well all. He's apologising for terrorising the public with, "Oh, you're all going to die because of the climate change." He said it isn't as bad anywhere near what they're telling you is. And he was part of it. He says under the surveys that are done now for, for climate change, he says that they're pretty well consistent. No matter what country they look at, children up to the age of about 10 are having nightmares for five years to 10 years of age 
uh, thinking the world's coming to an end because of the climate. They've, they've terrorized the public again, you see. So getting back to the Club of Rome, they said, yeah, though, they, they can use all this to get all the sustainability goals, which is depopulation. How do you depopulate? Cut back energy, cut back uh, fuel to farm the fields and the tractors and all the rest of it. Cut back on uh, heating yourselves in the winter for the colder climates. Uh, for will die. die. You know, illnesses, pneumonia, say, and all right. You don't need COVID for that, you know. And um, all the problems that they had in the 19th century will reemerge again. Uh, poor hygiene, you know, water pumps won't work. Uh, sewage systems that filter and all will start working. Yeah, yeah. Disease breaks out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you get, and they want all these things to happen for a fairly rapid depopulation agenda. And of course, food. Oh. And you won't get the proteins you need because they want to go on a mainly vegetarian system. And since most of the food, the, the, what you get out of that is nitrogen of uh, greens and so on, you, you, you can see the cattle eat all day long to, to make up what they need. If they're eating, they don't eat meat, so if you're, it's a nitrogen diet. You know, you, you'll be eating all day long, you'll constantly be starving, and you won't be put the weight on, folks. And they're going to stop that too because they don't. They want to cut back on farming. You see, sustainability. You, you can understand what they mean by that. It's not keeping the present population going at its present size. Sustainable is what they've decided. The number that they want to work more efficiently on the planet. Hmm. Now, this article is from England. And remember that uh, all there, 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 oh, so many cases were discovered today. It's because they're mandating every day more and more thousands of tests. And these are the same tests I've said before. They'll give you false positives, and, they, and it really doesn't matter because the folk aren't ill. Eh? It's got nothing to do with reality. It's to get numbers up to terrify the public. Oh, there's so many. These are not cases. If you put out a basic cold in, uh, virus, it will sweep through the whole population pretty quickly. And most folk won't even get the symptom. It, 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 it's weird how sometimes um, some folk will get it and some won't or get symptoms of it. But most folk don't get it all at the same time. But it'll be through their system, regardless. That's how, that's how viruses all... And you have this, this thing called herd immunity. That's how we've always survived in society, is having herd immunity. It develops very quickly. But you hear these numbers, oh, the 10,000 new cases today. No, these aren't folk running into hospitals saying, oh, we're dying. No, it's just in different areas, you put out more tests and you get the numbers back, right? And it, it doesn't mean they're even accurate. They're just so inaccurate, it's a joke. And a lot of it is, is computer models, by the way. Because the Buddha said that for every one person, okay, how many, they've actually worked out, how many, how many people could this person have met in the, in, the, in the last week or whatever, or in the last few days? And they'll work it out, to, well, maybe 15. Well, so you put down 15 more contacts on top of the one that you've tested and, and you've said is positive. So you've now got 16. For the one person, and you didn't. They keep on, on, and this is how it goes. 
Anyway, uh, here he, after I've read about the, the face mask, wearing a face mask covering in shops and supermarkets is to be made mandatory in England and a fresh move to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Well, no, you want it to spread. That's called herd immunity, folks. Hmm? See, they want this to drag on for a few years if they can. So Matt Hancock, the same guy, health secretary, this poos food in his way down, will say, will, will say, and I love how they do it in Britain, they already have their speeches prepared. They should just give us it from the person who wrote the speech for them, because these speeches are all written for them, eh? like prime ministers and, and uh, politicians that are put in charge of health and whatever. So it says, he will say on Tuesday, right? So they've already read the speech, that anyone who fails to comply with the order uh, which comes into force July 24th could face a fine of up to £100. So there's your threatening coercion again, see? Right? And the move follows a weekend of confusion over whether ministers as politicians intended to make face coverings compulsory after Boris Johnson said they were looking at stricter rules. The senior cabinet office minister, this is what I'm saying, there were five different stages to go through. Um, on the, the, the actual um, event 201 to get to the stage, stepping up. Again, I was used to it, stepping up. Again, I was used to the next step, stepping up. This is it. Not just on mass, but on a whole way of living. Right? And it says, uh, the senior cabinet office, office minister, Michael Gove, said Sunday he did not believe they should be mandatory and that it was better to trust people's common sense. Well, you can't have that when there's a big agenda at stake here. And uh, and by the way, you see, uh, Matt Hancock um, is the guy who admitted, uh, I put the, the little video up the, when he, he talked about it, when he's telling folk that near the, the beginning of this whole thing, because they're always hearing, oh, so many folk have died of COVID. No, they weren't dying of COVID. They may have had COVID. It's like, as I've said before, a virus can go through millions of the population in weeks. Millions and millions. And most folk won't even know they've had anything wrong with them. There's all kinds of viruses. And even the family of COVID is quite big as well. And they don't bother you, most of them, you see. And you get herd immunity then. And when, it, when you've all got herd immunity, it dies off. It can't find the target anymore, so it dies off. And you've got immunity. And, and they're trying to say, oh, it won't last long, your immunity. No, no, no. Generally, your immunity will last about 10 years to a virus. And if, if, if it's still in circulation after, after a few months, and you'd had it months ago, if it was even waning in you, it wouldn't get a chance to wane because you're constantly coming in contact with it, which reinforces your own immunity against it. You've already built up the antibodies, and you build more. That's how it works. You don't suddenly stop making them. <laughs> Anyway, um, it says here that, uh, yep, a weekend of confusion. So Matt Hancock, remember, he said in the video that, uh, because he was talking about folk panicking and all this, he said, well, he says, you know, people have been dying before this all came along. He says, you got to remember in Britain, you know, this is 10,000 die, he says, um, I think it was, every, it was every week or something, he says, 10,000 die every week. Or, he's giving you the stats, you see, births and deaths. Folk in this day and age, because they don't tell you about folk dying all the time, which is happening every day, right? And and other ones get born every day. But because they don't talk about it, so they're all terrified. I think folk are only dying of COVID now, you see. I've got an article here. A, a guy died in a motorcycle, an amazing motorcycle accident. 
young guy and the problem down is COVID as well. It makes no difference, you see. You, you could all have it in your system. It, it makes no difference. You would never know. Never know. Mm-mm-mm. And if you're using a swab test, it's useless anyway. Yeah. And if you use a blood test and they find you got antibodies, then you're immune to you. But again, facts don't matter, eh? So there you go, mandatory again. And then you've got this one here. Another one, effects of wearing the N95 and surgical face masks on heart rate, thermal stress, and subjective sensations. It won't make any difference because they're going to mandate it regardless, you see. Hmm? Uh, this was first put out in 2005, May the 26th, and, and it's uh, Occupational Environmental Health and um, from PMC, U.S. National Library of Medicine. So it gives you the effects of it, wearing it on your heart rate, thermal stress, and subjective sensations. It was aimed at investigating the effects of wearing the N95 and surgical face masks with and without nano-functional treatments on thermophysiological responses and the subjective perception of discomfort. And they go through the methods and so on. Five healthy male and five healthy female participants performed intermittent exercise in a treadmill while wearing the, the mask in a climate chamber controlled at air temperature of 25 degrees centigrade and a relative humidity of 70%. Four types of face masks, including an N95, uh, 3M8210, and surgical face masks, which were treated with nano-functional materials, were used in the study. And the results are the subjects had significantly lower average heart rates when wearing nano-treated and untreated surgical face masks that when wearing nanotreed and untreed N95 face masks, the outer surface temperatures of both surgical face masks were significantly higher than that of both F N95. On the other hand, the microclimate and skin temperatures inside the face masks were significantly lower than those in both N95 face masks. Both surgical face masks had significantly higher absolute humidity outside the surface than both the N95 face masks. And they go through all this too, how uh, they've got feelings of sensations of itchy, unfit, uh, tight, itchy, uh, uh, fatigued. They felt fatigued. There was an odorous and salty taste that were obtained while the subject was wearing the surgical face mask. And there were significant differences in preference between the nano-treated and untreated surgical face masks between the surgical and N95 face masks. So they go through it all there. And uh, if you've seen the, fa- I don't know if you've seen, uh, if you wear these things in a hospital scenario, you end up with blotches in your skin and everything because it's getting this moisture all the time, as your, as your, the, naturally the humidity from your breath alone uh, builds up inside and not in the mask. Everything is wet and damp, and and again it clogs the the, the air and air coming in and out of the mask basically. So anyway, uh, this is mainly to do with percep- perception of discomfort and physiological measurements and so on. And more impo- it's more important to see if, if they passed out on the treadmill. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for here. And I can't even bother looking that very deeply for it because uh, they go into the different heart rates and so on. And uh, the reaching and the peaks at the end of the third exercise session, etc., etc., and the, the temperature changes in the heart rate under the influence of the four kinds of face masks. Uh, 
they certainly parried this study big time. But anyway, the yeah, obviously you're going to cut off your oxygen supply to an extent, so you can't do heavy, heavy exercise for any length of time, even if you're young, etc. And if you can't get the CO2 out quick enough either, then you you start to um, suffer from that as well. Anyway, I'll put these articles up. And uh, another one too is uh, by Helena Handbasket. Well, going to Helena Handbasket, right? So this one's about um, you can't mask stupidity and when do we get our collars and shackles, Massa, you see? Because we're all slaves now, you see. That's how they used to. They used to actually put masks on slaves. I don't know that. In the dark days of slavery, masks were used as a form of control over the slaves. It not only made them more compliant, but also prevented them communicating with their unfortunate fellow slaves. This is rightly seen as a form of physical and psychological torture. For thousands of years, these torture devices were used to silence women, but were more generally used to keep slaves in line and compliant with their masters. Modern mask wearing to prevent the spread of microscopic virus particles is not only unscientific, it's also a form of compliance to so-called experts who claim that these surgical N95 masks actually work as they claim. They certainly do not, and therefore we, we must come to the conclusion there's another reason behind these mandatory diktats that we must all wear these muzzles or gags. These come from people with no medical qualifications or training and therefore no authority to give orders to wear such medical equipment. There is also there also appears to be no medical exemptions and therefore those with underlying health conditions are at serious risk of major health compl- complications as a result of simply going about their daily business of buying essential items for life such as food medication, etc. But these masks are a health hazard for all who are forced to comply. And it's true, it's true, you know. And you'll see it, you'll see the people with the masks. It doesn't matter what kind of masks they got on. And um, they keep digging their fingers into where the nose part is. And by that time, uh, if, if there's any viruses, or even bacteria, by the way, um, it'll come through with osmosis. It's, it's through basically capillary action between fibers and so on. It, it, when, when you get moisture going through to a certain level, it starts to pull it through from behind it. It'll pull more through. That's how capillary action works through material. And um, along comes viruses. And so, so here you are. They're, they're constantly got their fingers at their at their at their nose mouth part, generally pulling the mask away a bit and putting it back there. And if you want contamination, they're passing it on. Every, I saw a woman in a food shop doing that, you know, and she was just, she was serving the customers. <laughs> I thought, oh no. <laughs> so yeah, this is common. This, this is it's nothing to do with reality here. It really isn't, you know. So it says here, but these masks are a health hazard for all who are forced to comply. There are many studies showing issues from oxygen depletion to heart rate problems. Now, I guess you'll find that too with the last study I mentioned before, the so-called official one. You can't go in an exercise machine and cut off your oxygen to reduce it. You're going to suffer. That's why, as I say, you don't have flaps over your nostrils. CO2 toxicity through uh, re-inhalation or exhaled uh, breath, headaches, fatigue, and blood acidicity, uh, risking cancerous cells and other health issues. It says the case for wearing masks in serious doubt, as outlined in the above report. And it gives you links as well. All these things I put up, mind you, have links here. 
from government links too. There's one's NCBI and it's um, National Institute of Health for government uh, telling you about these problems, right? And uh, the British Medical Journal is there too. This isn't speculation from conspiracy sites. The only conspiracy sites now you'll get are from the ones that Mr. Fauci thinks keep coming out with. Now he's telling you that, that uh, even though his orders back in March were opposite of today, where he was telling, oh, folk don't wear masks, no. Only folk in the hospitals need to wear masks and uh, medical. Super. Now he's telling everybody must wear them now. It doesn't matter that they're contradictory, you know. And he wants everybody to wear them now. Um, he, he doesn't see any problem with the, with the dilemma of the two opposing theories put out by himself. But that's not called conspiracy, you know. Even though the companies that are going to make big money, he kind of, uh, is kind of involved with them all. Like, that's my opinion anyway. But it says here, and it's not hard to justify it, uh, inappropriate use of face masks. People must not touch their masks, must change their single-use masks frequently. That's what they say, by the way. Huh? Yeah, the, the ones you're, you're wearing, right, the, the, where you feel the moisture build up, you're supposed to throw them away every 20 minutes or so. And single-use masks frequently um, are potential side effects we must consider are the quality and the volume of, of speech between two people wearing masks is considerably compromised. That can lead, by the way, in the stores, again, when you've got hysterical people serving you uh, and shouting at people as though they're in a lineup, like a prison camp. Because eh? that's what some of them are doing now. Uh, and, and here, their speech is, is muffled. Uh, the people that they're yelling at, the customers, their speech their replies are going to be muffled. So you get, you get uh, tempers get up and, and rising. And uh, it could lead to folk getting, you know, led off and getting shot, I suppose. Uh, it really can. Of course it can. If, if you know people who worked in hospitals, uh, ask someone who's worked in, especially in confined spaces, an emergency, or else an operating theatre, where everybody's wearing masks. And, and and some of them too, especially the ones like operating theatres, it's um, it's echoey because it's a soundproof, it's a soundproofed room in a sense, it's generally tiled and so on, so it can get properly scrubbed down and sterilised. That's the ceilings, walls, and everything, and floors. And when they're wearing masks, believe you me, every, everything is so muffled and echoey. Uh, even if you're all, you're all talking the same language and and the same dialect and accent. It's confusing enough, but when you get it with, with from people from all over the world working together, incredibly terrible things happen at times because no one really understands anybody else. And it's all muffled. Was that his left leg or his right leg? <laughs> That's what happened. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. That's what happens. So here you put that that environment into the into the, the stores and so on, and you get people who are terrified. Because they tune into to their daily terror every day, the news, you know, people like Fauci and so on. And, uh, and then they're serving the customers there. And then they start yelling at customers. Because they don't, again, when that mask's on the customers as well, they don't see them as individual people anymore. They see them as just a mass, like cattle. And then they start yelling at them, and they obey like cattle. And, and you have less respect for them. So, you, so it, it, it just gets worse and worse as they start yelling at folk. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens, folks. Mm-mm-mm. 
And it's meant to be that way. They know what they're doing, especially when the mask thing is a bit nonsense, especially when everybody wearing them is touching their face all the time anyway. Uh, but this article goes on to say that the quality and the volume of speech between them yep, is, is, is compromised. Eh? And they may unconsciously come closer, try to understand each other, while one may be trained to counteract side effects. Uh, this side effect may be more difficult to tackle. Wearing a face mask makes the exhaled hair go onto the eyes, and it does. It blows up in your face. Even that little band, that metal band you get over the nose thing, eventually, as it gets clogged up with the moisture, the air is going to get out somewhere, and it gets round outside of the seal, and it goes up around your eyes, and you feel it blowing up in your eyes, and your eyes start stinging, right? And it says in the article here, the generates an uncomfortable feeling and an impulse to touch your eyes. If your hands are contaminated, you're, you're infecting yourself. You're infecting other people too, obviously. And face masks make breathing more difficult. Well, that's a genius said that one, eh? This is from experts. This is the CDC and the NCBI and the IH.gov, eh? And again, it's from a few years ago, where it was more honest about what it would do. <laughs> Honesty goes out the window when it's a big agenda at work. But anyway, this article continues and says, so yeah, for people with COPD, right, as his face masks are in fact intolerable to wear as they worsen their, their breathlessness. I wonder if that old guy had that too, probably. Moreover, a fraction of carbon dioxide previously exhaled is inhaled at each respiratory cycle. Those two phenomena increase breathing frequency and deepness, and hence the increased amount of inhaled and exhaled air. This may worsen the burden of COVID-19 if infected people wearing masks spread more contaminated air. This may also worsen the clinical condition of infected people if the enhanced breathing pushes the viral loads down into their lungs. So it can actually make it worse. Hey, it's maybe, maybe intentional, this thing that's going on. Hmm? You see, if you're just breathing normally and get a loading dose, see, this is what you get loading doses of any infection, right? And it often depends how much you catch at once. The more you can, it can something that can overwhelm your immune system quickly with a big heavy dose, you see. Well, if you're just breathing it casually and it's not getting forced down the deep, deep areas of your lungs, but now you're breathing through this darn mask, eh? And it says, it, says, uh, it may worsen the clinical condition of infected people if the enhanced breathing pushes the viral load down into their lungs. This is from the official websites of the people who had no axe to grind at the time, quite a few years ago, eh? And it says, too, the effects described at point five are amplified if face masks are heavily contaminated. That means also with moisture and so on from your breath. While impending person-to-person transmission is key to limiting the outbreak so far, little importance has been given to the events taking place after transmission has happened, when innate immunity plays a crucial role. The main purpose of the innate immune response is to immediately prevent the spread and movement of foreign pathogens throughout the body.
the innate immunity's efficacy is highly dependent on the viral load. That's what I was talking about, viral load, you see. A face mask determine an habitat where the SARS-CoV-2 can remain active due to the water vapor continuously provided by breathing and catching the mass fabric. They determine an increase in viral load and therefore they can cause a defeat of the innate immunity and an increase in infections. So this article here is quite quite decent and it's got um, articles going back for years up to the present on the same article. Uh, and it's from the official, the official <laughs> uh, areas, as I said before, NCBI, NIM, NIH, government, PMC articles, and the BMJ, British Medical Journal, and other ones too. And uh, so there you go. This is, everything is happening today goes against all the previous accepted uh, course of actions to take in such a, uh, an event as we're having now. Africa has always been a great test ground for the big farmers and medical industry. I remember seeing a, a good movie. I can't even remember the name of it. It wasn't that good, maybe. It was kind of boring, actually. But the whole idea was it was a common enough occurrence where big pharma would pay companies to go down and do testing in village areas in Latin America and in Africa. And that, that thing has always, that's always been done, you see. And it's quite easy to bribe a headman or a few chiefs and so on, head people, to allow them in. And then they put out their propaganda for the people and all and give you free uh, health care for, for certain diseases. And, and they can lie to them quite easily because the, the folk really believe. They can't, it's hard to believe that folk can go on and use you as guinea pigs. They'll tell, they're always there to help you, right? But they do that. That's what they do. And a lot of the stuff that's eventually used in the West is, t- is, 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 is tested out in these places. And it's easy to keep quiet the terrible fallouts from certain things <laughs> in the past. That's a fact. And the movie I'm talking about, too, was, was really based on things that had really happened. Terrible, horrible things that happened with certain vaccination programs that were being tested. I should remember the name of it. But anyway, it says Africa had become the testing grounds for trust stamp. This is interesting. Trust stamp vaccine record and payment system. Okay. So here you go again. A new biometric identity platform. Again, this is your whole, your whole uh, passport, immunity passport, with a different name again. Uh, it says uh, identity partnered with the Gates-funded Gavi Vaccine Alliance. Okay. This guy has got his hands in all these pies, eh? This front man for the big, big global elites. This is a MasterCard. So he, he, he again, you got MasterCard, the cash system, and Gavi Vaccine Alliance will launch in West Africa and combine COVID-19 vaccinations, cashless payments, and potential law enforcement applications. Hmm? There you go. And so it says, uh, it evolves just as you evolve, this, uh, this platform, you see, is set to be introduced in low-income remote communities in West Africa, thanks to a public-private partnership between Bill Gates, back Gavi, Vaccine Alliance, MasterCard, and the AI-powered identity author- authentication company, Trust Stamp, is called. First launched in the late 2018, the program, and it will see the Trust Stamps digital identity platform integrated into the Gavi MasterCard Wellness Pass. All of this wellness thing, eh? That also teaches you mental health too, by the way. And, and, and a lot of commentary according to your, your personality, eh? Your wellness card. 
Maybe you're compliant or you're individual eccentric or a bit uh, non-compliant, eh? A bit asbel, as you see in Britain. It's a digital vaccination record and identity system that is also linked to MasterCard's click-to-play system that is powered by its AI and machine learning technology called New Data, N-U Data, New Data. So MasterCard, in addition to professing its commitments to promoting centralized record-keeping of childhood immunization, also describes itself as a leader towards a world beyond cash. And its partnership with Gabby marks a novel approach towards linking a biometric digital identity system, vaccination records, and a payment system into a single cohesive platform. The effort, since its launch nearly two years ago, has been funded via $3.8 million dollar uh, and Gavi donor funds in addition to be matched to, to a donation of the same amount by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundations. So, I'll put this one up as well for those who... There's so much to remember, isn't it? And you, you can't stuff... It's like... I always like the Sherlock Holmes novels because... Uh, in the novels, you sometimes hear Sherlock talking about his, his attic, where everything... All, all the information that he knew... And acquired in his life that was stored in his brain, you see, in his, in his skull, his attic. And he says, sometimes you've got to start moving stuff out the attic to make room for new, you see. And today, uh, don't forget, it's, it's a technique which works awfully well on most folk. It's overwhelming people. I read the articles over the last few years, and a few years ago, I should say, with, uh, from again, psychological and behavioral programs on the public studies on us all, and how they could quite easily overwhelm us with data. It doesn't mean it have to be real facts or truth or anything, just data, bits and bytes of data, until we would close down. And when you close down, then if they want you to actually follow a, a routine or an agenda, uh, you're, you're, you become more compliant when you close down because you can't think for yourselves. You're just overwhelmed with data. Well, this is what they're using with all of this today with you as well. So keep a, always keep, a, it's like looking across a sea at night and you see a, a lighthouse. Always keep your, yourself focused on that point of light way out yonder over the darkness because see, if you don't lose sight of that, don't get distracted, that's your goal. And that way you don't become confused with all the overwhelming data that's heaped upon you daily. Another one here too is Gavi and MasterCard join forces to reach more children with, here's the big selling point, life-saving vaccines. There's, you understand, there's so many saints out there working for big corporations for money and and for big global vaccine companies and things. It's, where would we be without them, eh? I'll tell you. So it says that... It actually gives you a Facebook Live interview, too, with Michael Froman, Vice Chairman and President of MasterCard Strategic Growth, and Dr. Seth Berkeley, uh, Gavi's CEO, discussing why innovation and digital ID is key to Gavi's mission. Well, they all have their missions, but... Regardless of their missions, maybe we should just tell them, you know, we have our own ideas as well, and they better maybe put forth our various missions for our opinions. Huh? So it goes into December 2018 in Abu Dhabi, 
and MasterCard and Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, announced today at a high-level conference for Gavi's 2018 midterm review a new transformative partnership to ensure more children from the poorest countries are able to benefit from life-saving immunization programs. You understand, we pay for all these things, the programs, don't you, from the West, that we pay for it all. It's not for nothing. None of these things do for nothing. And then it says, this partnership will leverage MasterCard expertise and technology, enabling ministries of health and authorized health workers to provide a card with a digital immunization record to each participating child's caregiver by empowering caregivers to stay on track to receive critical vaccinations. The program aims to strengthen the efficiency and reach of health service in developing countries where children are most at risk of missing out on immunization. And it's so true that, that uh, the articles over the years where, where, where Mr. Gates has been sued heavily by even India for some of the fallouts from some of the programs over there too. Eh? Mm-hmm. But that, that facts don't matter, eh? Yeah. Another article, tens of thousands of coronavirus tests have been, this is a, a good one, double-counted, officials admit. That, I tell you, they must have been wringing their hands, eh? And, oh, woe is me. So two samples taken from the same patient are being recorded as two separate tests in the government's official figures. Well, I am shocked. I am really just taken aback that they would stoop to this level to jack up the numbers. And it says that... Um, is by Mason Boycott Owen and uh, Paul Nookie. Nookie, <laughs> I don't know who wrote this. Surely it's not a real name. And this article is from where? Where is it from? They've got articles in this article from The Telegraph in England, for instance. Uh, two articles from The Telegraph. Again, with Matt Hancock's uh, talking about uh, coronavirus tests, etc., but it says here that tens of thousands of COVID-19 have been double counted in the government's official tally. Diagnostic tests which involve taking saliva and nasal samples from the same patient are being... <laughs> it's amazing how your mind thinks at times, isn't it? I was thinking the movie Idiocracy uh, as a comedy where the guy gets put in an an army experiment and wakes up in the future where people are living on on heaps of of garbage dumps and stuff because they don't know what to do with their garbage. And and the people who bred heavily were the the lower level people. And um, and so this guy literally becomes a genius because he's he's average intelligence, but but in the future he's he's a genius. And... uh, but he, he he does go in for a test for something, and we went in the hospital. It's like it's coming that way now. Actually, he was in the hospital and he goes into the admissions area, and and the woman behind the desk doesn't speak in. I talk to him at all. She's going to look some in a glazed sort of way, and in front of him is a like a almost a huge um, computer screen. And it's got symbols rather than words. So you've got a knee and you've got a little lightning strike, like sore knee and all the different parts. So so eventually he touches the one he wants and he goes into a lineup. And uh, in the lineup, there's a whole bunch of folk there too, before him and after him. And when it comes your turn, the guy says, this this, this tube is to go in your mouth. 
this one's to go in, in the lower regions, and another one goes somewhere else. And when it's his turn, the guy says, uh, it put, and he puts them all in the right places, and he oh, sorry, that, that's the other way around, so he put the one in his lower region and he's not. That's what we're getting to today with all this nonsense. I was reading this about <laughs> sticking up things up your nose and then your, and then your mouth. What one are they using first, I wonder, you know, or are they using it in both places or do they change their mind? Anyway, that's just the way my mind works at times when I see how ridiculous things have become. So it says here, back to the article, it says about 350,000 more tests have been reported in government data than people tested since the state of the pandemic. No wonder you're getting huge figures going up, eh? No wonder you're getting huge figures spiking up. I mean, that's a lot, 350,000 more tests, right, that they were actually done. The discrepancy is in large part explained by the practice of counting saliva and nasal samples from the same individual twice. So that's what they're doing. They're, they're putting, rather than say, this is all, this both, they both came from the same person, they'll put the person down twice, you see. In the Public Health England uh, oversees the testing of patients who are seriously on hospital, as well as the most critical key workers. And the test involves a swab from the mouth and nose, as well as a sample of saliva. <laughs> Although both of these are taken from the same patient, they're, they're counted twice by the government in its daily data. It's not the first time government has been caught massaging the testing data. It was accused last month, including... Um, Thousands of home tests which have been posted but not completed in a bid to reach its target of 100,000 tests. <laughs> it goes on and on, and it's got different uh, bits and pieces inside of it. I don't know who wrote this one here, this, this, this article, but it's got good links inside it regardless. It's quite funny. So we'll see. Is it again, you need a bit of humour during all these particular times as well. Now... National Health Service consultant says staff are being silenced over COVID-19. And although we cannot verify his or her identity, we still think our readers should see it because it, it dovetails with other verified reports. And if it's what it alleges to be, it sheds uh, concerning light on the state of things inside the healthcare system. It talks about this, this is supposedly coming from a consultant major regional hospital in Surrey, England. But uh, by major, you can take that, that to indicate that we have uh, arts <laughs> and admissions in the emergency department. And they gave an interview in an anti-lockdown, um, to an anti-lockdown activist in which I would have revealed my identity. I've long since changed my mind, or I've since changed my mind, and only feel able to give an anonymous statement. Changed the mind simply because that all staff, no matter what grade, at all hospitals have been warned that if they give any media interviews at all or make any statements to either the mainstream press or smaller independent press or social media, we may immediately be suspended without pay. And he goes on about having a family, dependents, and so on. I therefore cannot reveal my identity, my opinion, and that of my many colleagues. There has been no COVID pandemic, certainly not in the Surrey region. And I've heard from other colleagues that this picture is the same throughout the country. Hospital would normally expect to see around 350,000 outpatients a year. Around 95,000 patients are admitted to hospital in a normal year. And we would expect to see around a similar figure, perhaps 100,000 patients pass through admissions in emergency departments. 
in the months from March to, to June inclusive, we would normally expect to see 100,000 outpatients, around 30,000 patients admitted to hospital, and 30,000 pass through. That's about four months period. This year, and these figures are almost impossible to get hold of, we are over 95% down on all those numbers. In effect, the hospital has been pretty much empty for that entire period. And it goes through what what happened and so on. The few COVID tests we have had repeatedly tested, and every single test counted as a new case. So there you get That ties in with the last article too, eh? Meaning the figures reported back to, and again they give the, the official uh, Statistic office and so on for public health were almost exponentially inflated. It could be that COVID cases reported by hospitals are between five to ten percent higher than the real number of cases. There's been no pandemic, and this goes a long way to explain why figures for the UK are so much higher than anywhere else in Europe. It's because they're they're literally um, jacking up all the numbers. Now I'm going to put up a link as well to an awfully good article, which is an individual study of the whole COVID plague, or no plague, and death rate and so on. But it's by Dennis G. Rancourt, PhD. And it says here, Ontario Civil Liberties Association. He's a researcher. I didn't know we had civil liberties in Ontario, but there you go. Anyway, it's from ResearchGate, and um, it's a well-done study of using the overall death rate annual, basically, in different countries and different uh, seasons, from winter into spring into summer and so on. But it's very interesting, its conclusion, because its hypothesis is that it's really uh, no plague. And he says here, and it's a likely signature of mass homicide by government response. And before you go all off and say, oh my God, how ridiculous is this, this conspiracy and so on. The fellow does incredible detailed work here, year by year, showing you, rather than get get the fudged figures with tests and so many folk have had it or whatever, have it as they're fudging it and so on. He simply goes into the death rates, overall death rates, which can't be fudged, you see. Dying of all kinds of things, especially in spring and winter and all that, when most bronchial problems happen in the winter time. But he goes on to say here that, um, and it's about 27 pages, it's a good study of the whole, this whole phenomena of what they call COVID, or SARS-CoV-2. And the way the government's responded even shows you the spikes in all countries that happened. As soon it was declared as it had been a pandemic and, and governments were encouraged to go into pandemic mode. And that's when you had a sudden spike, mainly in the elderly across the place, all dying in homes and so on, because the, the staff were freaked out, didn't know how to treat them or even, even look after them. Suddenly everybody, it's true, the staff, and most of the staff, remember, are not trained in all these these elderly homes. They're really like assistants, they're caregivers. They clean up and they feed and things like that. 
And uh, they were petrified too. The studies that already came out, which were in the newspapers, uh, admitted that uh, some of them were deserted. They left the pa- they're just terrified. They just left the patients, and terrible death uh, really happened. So, what he's saying is that the response of governments is what caused the deaths, all these deaths. And then afterwards, that when that died down too, it shows you that the the the, the morbidity, the, the deaths, I should say, of all the people. So far, according to the previous graphs, and he's got them all here from all the, 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 the official sources, it didn't spike at all, really. It just happened when the, when the WHO declared the pandemic and they went into pandemic mode. And it's the results of how the, the people were treated in pandemic mode, especially in places like New York, where they, they had them all on ventilators. And you got the data, but most of them, and well, a good 80% of ventilators died because they were stuck on these things, and they were getting 40, just mentioned it here, but they were getting about $40,000 extra for putting them on ventilators, by the way. Uh, so there was definitely a financial incentive for these hospitals to do it. But regardless, back to this study, and uh, it's a well-detailed study with lots of links to the articles he takes this information from, the CDC and, um, and national statistics of all kinds. It's quite well worked out, actually, and it would take a lot more. Uh, I've only just briefly gone over it, but a lot of uh, data in here, too. I might share it with some of my friends, because uh, he's got official studies that were done before this pandemic came out on previous times uh, with risk of government's responses causing deaths, to, again, in old-age homes and stuff like that, because of the response of the of the of the government to it uh, when they were going to freak mode. And it causes excess stress, and the stress factor in the elderly too causes a lot of deaths as well. And, and they were thrown up in the air thinking they're, they're all going to die suddenly. And uh, and the stress must have been incredible in these old folks' homes. I mean, they're watching the same news too, remember, that the staff there are watching. And it's like daily horror and terror mandated by SAGE and the different organizations that were put out, out there to terrify the public. And saying that, that this, that did really, you know, cause more anxiety to make them comply. <laughs> this is astonishing. We've got to understand this too. But uh, it, it, there's speeches too from um, the WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom, his name was Tedros Adhanom, Saying about the weeks ahead, ahead we have to we'll see numbers of cases. Um, we expect to see the number of cases, the number of deaths, the number of affected countries climb even higher. Yada yada yada. And then he's telling them to break into real, real, almost war mode to 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 ready the hospitals and so on. And um, and he, then he compares it with the graphs of of the of the actual deaths, that, that statistical deaths. You can't fudge them. You can fudge all the causes of deaths, but you can't fudge the, 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 the statistics for for average deaths all through the year. You see in previous years too, and uh, it's just astonishing how the only spike that they had was when the WHO gave that speech and told them to get into that basically war mode for it, and everybody panicked. Governments panicked to decide putting infected folk in with non-infected. Um, and the stress factor in these elderly homes must have been honestly phenomenal. 
Imagine being in one of these homes and you're getting written off pretty well. Oh, they're all going to, it's just so elderly they're going to die. I mean, that's what you kept hearing, eh? But so were these folk hearing the same news as well every night. And then the staff were, were terrified. Oh, we may get it off the old folks so they desert the homes. <laughs> Quite suddenly. But this uh, individual who did this, this study, he does go to the different studies, previous studies all done, puts it together, shows you the graphs, and it's got all the data, the official stuff. And that's one thing, as I say, you can't really fudge his actual death rate uh, per annum, per country. Uh, and he's got them for quite a few years for each country, you know, maybe for the last 10 years here and there. And... Uh, and it's got interpreting the all-cause mortality COVID peak. Because everybody's been lumped in his COVID death, right? But he goes through that as well. This is a synchronicity of the onset of its surge across continents and immediately following the WHO declaration of the pandemic. That's where it suddenly all happened. And the USA state-to-state absence or presence for the same viral ecology on the same territory being correlated with nursing home events and government actions rather than any known viral strain discernment. So basically he's blaming the governments for killing the people. And he gives you all the, the, the articles too and the links to them, media articles and institutional memos for, for his study. New study finds nearly all coronavirus patients put on ventilators died. That was in Newsbreak and uh, the Hill, 23rd April 2020. And is his new healthcare data suggested that almost half of coronavirus patients placed on ventilators die? First reported by CNN, the data was gathered at Northwell Health, New York State's largest hospital system, revealed that about 20% of COVID-19 patients passed away and 88% of those placed on ventilators died. And daughter blames chaos of COVID-19 pandemic for mother's rapid decline. And that was Regina, leader post 29th May, May 2020. And the star Phoenix com, uh, Saskatchewan daughter blames the chaos of COVID-19 pandemic for mother's rapid decline. It says uh, Sue Nimigir's mother never had COVID-19, but she still counts her as a victim of the disease. She never tested positive, but the chaos of the pandemic itself around us, we feel, took her away uh, just too soon. Uh, Nimigir's told the board of the Saskatchewan Health Authority, I guess her mum was in, a, in, a, in an elderly home. The chaos in these homes, I mean, you can imagine that daily, daily, almost terror amongst them and the fear of the staff as well, who were getting horrified and watching the news every day. <laughs> Another one, deeply disturbing report into Ontario care homes released BBC 27th May 2020. And the link is here too. It says, Mr. Ford said a full investigation has been launched into the allegations, which included claims that facilities smelt of rotten food infested with cockroaches and flies and the elderly people were left for hours crying for help with staff not responding. The staff were petrified and a lot of them didn't turn up for work, eh? Happened all over, same in Canada. Montreal, when the, what, a guy who ran a whole chain of these nursing homes uh, literally had been, <laughs> he, he was some kind of felon already, and it, 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 they're only now looking into how on earth did he get a license to run these homes. It was just incredible what they found there. These were not cheap homes either. These are private, I think, some of them. And it says, nothing can justify this destruction of people's lives. Yoram Last, former director of Israel's health ministry, on the hysteria around COVID-19. That was in spite 22nd May 2020. It says, it's the first epidemic in history, which is accompanied by another epidemic, the virus of the social networks. 
These new media have brainwashed entire populations. What you get is fear and anxiety and an inability to look at real data, and therefore you have all the ingredients for monstrous hysteria. It's what's known in science as positive feedback or a snowball effect. The government is afraid of its constituents. Therefore, it implements draconian measures, and the constituents look at the draconian measures and become even more hysterical. It's a loop, you see. And then Como in New York downplays calls for federal probe into nursing home coronavirus deaths. Ask President Trump, he says. That's why that's the excuse he gave. That's when he was asked how he put all these infected folk in with non-infected until they're all infected and folk died. So New York uh, Como said Wednesday uh, brushed off calls for the Department of Justice to open an investigation into the massive number of deaths in the state's nursing homes during the coronavirus pandemic, claiming he was only following guidelines, typical politician from the Trump administration and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. While no formal probe has been announced, this speculation comes amid scrutiny of his March 25 directive that required nursing homes to take on new patients infected with COVID-19. The links are all here. That's Fox News, that one. And, um... And he, it even has the one, too, where he, he pretty well ordered them to accept infected patients. And it says, during this global health emergency, all NHS must comply with ex- expedited receipt of residents returning from hospitals to NHS. Residents are deemed appropriate for return to NH upon a determination by the hospital physician or designee that the resident is medically stable for return. No resident shall be denied readmission or admission to the NH solely based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. And it's prohibited from requiring a hospitalized resident who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. So they're telling them they had to accept them, even though there would definitely have certain positive ones amongst them. Incredible what's happened. It's true enough. Uh, you, you understand this is a massive agenda. I, I've already said this is a lot of people have been sacrificed already for this agenda. This is an agenda. Come on here. You don't have uh, mock trials of a, a pandemic just before it all breaks out, and and you follow it to the letter exactly uh, as you, you would do in the, the the so-called test that you already had, and hand all this power into private organisations, pharma companies, and vaccine companies working with government. Come on here, come on, Mm-mm-mm. and then telling, and then literally anyone who complains about it loses all social media <laughs> access and are banned for mentioning that the obvious. This is tyranny to the nth degree here. But anyway, this, this fellow has got a lot of articles from the Globe and Mail about what we've been talking about here. And it's uh, he's one in Canada, it's from the Globe and Mail. Most of the nursing and retirement home residents who have succumbed to COVID-19 in Canada died inside the virus-stricken understaffed facilities as hospital beds sat empty. Isn't that a statement? That was the same in Britain too, though. And another one too, There's and that was from the Globe and Mail, and then there's no evidence lockdown saved lives. It is indisputable. They caused great harm. That was by Briggs uh, and 40 meet 2020. 
and W.M. Briggs compost. It says, in the end, it does not come down to country or even city-level statistics. It comes down to people. Each individual catches the bug or not, lives or dies, not because of their country, but because of themselves, their health, their circumstances. Any given individual might have benefited from self-quarantine and loss of job, just as any given individual might have come to a bad end from a lockdown. The lockdowns caused the bad ends, eh? And then hospitals get paid more to list patients as COVID-19 by Tom Kirchner. That was in PolitiFact, 21st April 2020. It says it's standard for Medicare to pay a hospital roughly three times as much for a patient who goes on a ventilator as for one who doesn't. Medicare is paying 20% add-ons to its regular hospital payments for the treatment of COVID-19 victims. That's a result of a federal stimulus law. That's PolitiFact. Com. And uh, CDC from Stat News, it says uh, 80,000 people died of flu last winter in the US, the highest death toll in 40 years by Associated Press. Stat News, 26 December 2018. Oh. So this is an estimated 80,000 died of flu, US, America, and its com- complications last winter. And, and it says the disease's highest death toll in at least four decades. So in, within 40 years, it was the highest death toll. That was in 2018, I guess, flu. The director of Centers and Disease Control Prevention, Dr. Robert Redfield, revealed the total in an interview Tuesday night with Associated Press. Well, there was no lockdown and stopping off everything then, was there? When it was four times as many folk died then. Huh? A flu? And complications of it. As with Stanford and different studies by uh, uh, well-known organizations, universities, and the NCBI, uh, Ministry of Health and National Institute of Health and so on, .gov, yada, 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 stacks of them. But the fact is, uh, it's well laid out what he's showing you in the different graphs. He's from the official sources, not the usual stuff that you can't figure out whether it's the total deaths for the month, the week, or the day, or the year, <laughs> Because that's how they're deliberately put out, most of them. He goes just by deaths, you see, to show you there's no spike, really, except for one little peak and in the old folks' homes, mainly, uh, when it was declared by the WHO as a pandemic. They, that's when the, all the staff panicked and yada, yada, yada. You all know the stories. Good article, though. And uh, you can go through it. I'll have some of my friends go through it, too, to see what they make of it. And... Um, to make sure it's all, you know, up to scratch and so on, but it's it's well done, and the guy hits it right, right off the bat, he says that the governments are responsible for the homicide, by the way they've, they've treated this whole thing, by causing it to happen. Interesting, isn't it? All-cause mortality during COVID-19, no plague, and the likely signature of mass homicide by government response. Ontario Civil Liberties Association. I'll have to look it up and see what, what it is. I mean, I don't even know. I've never heard of it. I know in the States they have theirs, but I don't know if we've got it here. Wait and see. Good article. Now remember, folks, too, again, I'll say it again, because folk forget very quickly, uh, go to cuttingthroughmatrix.com. That's my website. You see, my official sites are listed on that one site. And... Uh, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com uh, and donate to me and help me tick along because uh, things are coming down fast, as I say, and eventually you'll get uh, 
that they'll weed all the all the, the dissenters out very quickly now, and because we're going into the next stage of this big agenda. Remember, uh, above all, the COVID idea is a big agenda, and that's what's really driving all of this. And um, they couldn't do it with just a climate change. It would take years to convince the public to cut back and post-consumer age and all the rest of it and into rationing. So this way is the fastest way to bring it up. Uh, and the, the WEF has mentioned that very fact. They can get their agenda through this way under the COVID. And so did the Club of Rome. They're all rejoicing over it. And the, the, the businesses that eventually will be allowed to open up will be what they call sustainable and green, etc., etc. All the things that were listed in their, in their um, sustainability agenda under climate change and all the other reasons and excuses they've tried in the past to bring this to, to pass. So, as I say, um, times are getting tough. You'll need the, the few out there that can put out the information and keep it going. And tell you, at the same time, don't just panic and bury your heads in the sands either. You, you do what you can, however, however little it might be, uh, that's positive as we get through all this for yourselves. And stay in with your friends, get some friends, and, and try to not to fall out <laughs> And put up with each other because you'll need each other. You, you always do when it comes to deep crisis like that, and uh, because it's going to get it's going to get awfully bad as they go into this t- total wartime mode. They won't just stop at this. They're going to go on and on and get the whole agenda fulfilled. By the way, so go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you can donate to, donate to me and help me tick along. Hopefully, for as long as I can survive, uh, however long that may be. <laughs> And uh, and as I say, cash is okay, or PayPal, or um, checks, you know, all the usual methods. So now here is banks use COVID as a cover to shutter branches across America, and so the officer, the officer of the controller of the currency, the OCC, acting head Brian Brooks said banks should not use the cover of the virus pandemic to shrink branch footprints across cities and towns. It's happening in Canada too, you know. As his Brooks warned in a recent interview with the European Financial Daily newspaper that he was not prepared to, to revisit the fundamentals of bank regulation due to the pandemic. And it says banks shouldn't be, expect permanent concessions from uh, regulators because of the virus-related issues. Many bank branches were temporarily closed for months due to virus-related shutdowns. Customers heavily relied on online services, and bankers told the FT... Uh, the Financial Times, he says, they, they hope the pandemic will allow them to accelerate branch closures. So there's your agenda again, eh? Uh, you post everything pretty well, and po- you definitely post interest in any savings that you have. You're not getting any savings uh, interest in, in it, and some of them got negative uh, interest rates are charging you for having your bank accounts and get nothing back. And now, of course, they, they want to close down branches as well. But they still want you to, to, to do everything cashless and go through their bank system, electronic system, so they can skim things off for every transaction. And you, were, you thought that banks were part of your community, like they had said were part of your community. Oh, there you are. So uh, it's true how, 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 how fake our whole system is in commercial system, isn't it? It's, it's all propaganda and smiley faces and ads and stuff telling you what to think and believe. And, uh, and folk fall for it. You know, they're part of our community. You know? They're here because they love us. 
So says the national banks are preparing to shrink branch footprints and they must inform the OCC three months in advance, along with a detailed explanation of the reasoning. I don't know if they have to do anything like that in Canada, because now they're expected. I know in Canada, apparently, they, 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 they kind of um, told some of their employees, some of the more senior ones maybe, to go home. They bought them all laptops and uh, and some of the branches and told them to go home and they'd do it all from their homes, anything that had to be done, uh, which might have been fine for the banks, but it was just you know, hopeless for the customers trying to get even checks cashed and things like that. But we know the future is to go cashless. Everything is, again, you're back into the, 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 the system that, that uh, Bertrand Russell talked about, you see. Because money is a control mechanism for you, it's power for those who own all at the top. But it's for you, it's a control mechanism over you. And once it's totally electronic, that's how they want to punish you. That is on the agenda. If you don't toe the line and do what you're told and obey what they say and so on, uh, to pay your rent and all that, you've got to do it cashless, you see. That's what it's all going to be, cashless transactions, a la Bertrand Russell. Everything you're living through today was planned 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. I hope you understand that. That's how things really work, you know. But I'll put this article up too. And then you've got these ones here about Britain uh, going into higher taxes and so on. And it says here that uh, it, because of the massive borrowing, again, a wartime scenario, right? Uh, and shutting down the whole economy. And this is just what, wait till the, how do you think they'll get through in the U.S.? This is to take the U.S. completely down. I hope you understand. Since Britain faces decades of tax rises to repair public finances after a coronavirus crisis. It hasn't even finished yet. Isn't it? It's an agenda to bring you into utter poverty. That's what austerity is, folks. It's a nice word for poverty. Huh? Anyway, uh, think of the States and Canada. Canada's completely dependent on the U.S. It was bailed out. Uh, after the 2007-8 crash, planned crash or reset then, and uh, we've lost a good 40% of the currency value of a dollar, of the buying power of a dollar since then, paying off. But it's not paid off yet totally. And every major bank branch in Canada, the big, big banks in Canada, every major one was getting special drawing rights as the American banks were from the U.S. Federal Reserve. I hope you folk realize that happened. And... Uh, it's all planned that way, take you down. Eh? They always do this. They always plunder you eventually, the same banks and so on. They always do this, at least twice a century, sometimes more. And uh, this is the big one, of course, to reset everything and the way you live into, into mandated austerity. To save the planet, you understand, as you start getting sick. If you think this is bad with COVID, idea, or folk just dying off in the winter time as they always do, with bronchial problems in the northern climates, uh, you wait until you wait until you're really into austerity and you're malnourished. <laughs> you wait to see the winters then. Whoa, and this is well understood, folks. Yeah. You shut down the entire economies for something. Literally, most folk don't even know they've had, and uh, never mind didn't even get ill with it. Most folk. And even the ones who did get ill could have been treated properly without all the, the this mandated ventilator nonsense and so on. And the hysteria surrounding it all, it could be done logically, quietly, 
professionally and uh, efficiently and pulled them through, definitely, but with a good lot of them anyway, no doubt about it. <laughs> you know, they, they hate religion, don't they? What's left of it in the West. But they've said it, they're quite open about it. So they're, they're using, and another, another a cathedral, of course, in France got uh, set in fire intentionally, because that's the agenda too. But uh, if you look at communism, uh, and they, they want to destroy religion, you see, as a nuisance, because folk obey, obey the religion, which gives them individual rights, you see, as opposed to simply obeying government and doing what you're told. That's a fact. That's H.G. Wells talked about it too. He was all for the eradication of religion and the family unit, mind you, same as communism, for the Fabian Society and for the elite that he worked for. And um, it's quite astonishing. The rich, as I say, the richest folk on the planet run run both sides completely at the top. But what you but you find, I mean, that they always go after religion because and Mao Zedong said it too. China, Mao Zedong, Chairman Mao, Mao, and he said, uh, he said, the power comes from the barrel of a gun. That's what he said. He was asked what he was afraid of, though, when he's talking about power and guns and so on. He said it was a big idea. He was referring to religious thoughts, religious ideas, because folks will blindly follow them and, and put a hundred percent of themselves into a cause, the cause of religion. And it can be a tremendously formidable enemy for any d- dictatorship or system. And the governments all know that. And even and including all the so-called democracies, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's an awful nuisance. Where you say, "Well, no, God gives him rights, not you," and I'll be my, my God, not you. That, that really ticks them off, no ends, you know. So it says, so they're, they're trying to shut down all religion, where folk gather, folk gather, and they meet each other. They got things in common. They can help each other out. This is a social gathering time. The, the, the churches were tremendous social gathering places. That's where people used to, uh, daughters and sons used to meet each other for marriage and things. That's, this was a social thing. Uh, vital, mind you, they wanted to destroy all that too. But so, this is... Uh, it says, CNA staff, it says, um, public masses in Scotland resumed Wednesday with a maximum number of 50 people permitted to attend regardless of church size. That's astonishing, eh? Yeah, it's astonishing. I mean, I mean, God is the one that they, they say, who will tell you how many folk are going to be permitted to come into heaven, but your state, your government tells you how many folk are permitted to go into the church. Think about it, eh? The Scottish government permitted, maybe the Scottish government literally is, is, is about 10 degrees left of Karl Marx. But it says permitted, it says permitted uh, public masses to begin again July 15th, 118 days after they were suspended on March 19th, and 11 days after they resumed over the board in England, and uh, a 50 person limit. If you see some of these photographs inside the churches, they're all well, well spaced out inside a massive high ceiling, eh? I mean, you talk about, uh, it's almost equivalent to being outside in a sense. And they're all sitting away apart from each other, but that's not good enough. They want, they want to shut them all down. The governments have, have really had churches 
in their sights for an awful long time, especially Christian churches, you know. Definitely, no doubt about it. They've been quite vocal about that for a long, long time. And they're doing the same in the States too, I believe. At least in the States, they might give some folk to say no way, you know, hopefully, but there you go. You understand, when there's nothing else to stand up for except to do what your state tells you, it's all over. You're, you're under complete tyranny, absolute horrendous tyranny. That's what they had in the Soviet system all that time, utter tyranny. You did what you were told, or else. Everybody was scared. It wasn't living, it was existing. And folk didn't even want to look at each other in the streets passing. You know, they ever looked somber and a bit suspicious and, you know... And, it was that bad. And it's where Germany, East Germany was so bad with the Stasi, which they're using that technique now with the contract tracers, by the way. <laughs> it's just incredible watching all this being pushed out once again with different names for the same things. But uh, yeah, the Stasi literally um, spied on everybody. They, they had uh, over half a million, almost a million people paid to spy on, on other people. And and countless assets because they threatened folk if they didn't help them to become informers, they would pick them up or somebody in their family and, and put them in prison. Uh, this was horrific. Well, this is the system you go into when there's no religion you stand up for. Religion will bind folk together and they will stand up and say, "Get off our backs." You know, that's what they don't want. So when you don't even have that to fall back on, you've got nothing. You see. You certainly, in this age, you can't argue science with them when they're using science to, to justify their, agenda, their tyrannical agendas. You can go into their playing field and, and debate to statistics and so on. Of course you won't. Because they fudge it all. I hope you understand, you've never really seen a free society. You've never really been in one. You had degrees of freedom, but you're losing the last few degrees of that. Carol Quigley, again the professor, who trained people for the for the U.S. State Department and to go across the world and and bring in that this world order of commerce and, and and at that time U.S. domination over it, and at the same time bring everybody into a global type structure. I mentioned it before the U.S. I said this back in the nineties. The U.S. is financing all of this through its tax money and the State Department. Uh, for the few that really run and rule the U.S. at the top, will bring the whole world into the system and, and so take it all down. And then eventually when the U.S. has done that, done it all, then they'll collapse the U.S. into the system which it created. That's, that is the plan. And you, you're seeing that latter part happening now, where it is folding up into the system that it created and forced upon the rest of the world for a long time. Agendas that you don't even understand. And agendas that were often had nothing to do with, with the, the interests of Americans back home. And often for, outside, for outsiders' interests. We all know this. Anyway, here we are, and as I say, the, um, we're going through it all now, and folk will never quite got the, this through their heads yet, that uh, what's really, really happening right now. Now it's the global agenda for a world-type corporate government run by professional CEOs at the top and corporations 
on behalf of the richest folk on the planet and academia all serving them to manage our lives from birth to death. Every individual, uh, a number, the whole lot. And that, that's it too. We've all got numbers, don't we? Our, our sin numbers, social insurance numbers, our sin numbers are born in sin, right? <laughs> uh, they love to mock you. They certainly do. And folk don't even know what's happening. And there's another article from The Guardian. It says the strange case of Australia's 10 million COVID-19 tests and how Andrew Forrest Koo fell flat. What seemed a good news story became complicated as details emerged about the $190 million COVID-19 tests and the company that made them. It's quite the usual kind of scam that went on. Big, big money, taxpayers' money, naturally. And and then uh, it says that Andrew Forrest had used his Chinese connections to help secure a remarkable quantity of diagnostic equipment for Australia. Even even all these tests, mind you, are the same type of tests that have been proven useless. <laughs> Doesn't make any difference when there's big profits to be made, eh? Hmm. Uh, and how it all kind of fell flat and um, and even expired. It only didn't last. For, it only lasted a few months. The, the shelf life of these particular testing kits and so on. And, but it's amazing, you know, they, they never get their hands slapped for throwing, you know, billions. Uh, well, it didn't go out the window, because billions would end up, or millions, definitely, within the pockets of the folk involved. So it was profitable for them. But I'll put this article up here. And also I'll put an article up, if I can find it later, on Australia as well, on their particular uh, system of tracking and tracing everybody as well. It's quite something. All countries are doing the same agenda. Again, this is all planned before this happened, folks. We, we exist to get fleeced by the companies that plan all these things way in advance. We really do. Monitored from birth to death. You can't move without getting monitored. Eh? Uh, and um, this article, too, is by Whitney Webb, who's done a lot of, a lot of good articles. But this one here is about all roads lead to dark winter. It says leaders of two controversial pandemic simulations that took place just months before the coronavirus cases. A crisis event 201 and Crimson Contagion share common history. The 2001 biowarfare simulation dark winter. Dark winter not only predicted the 2001 anthrax attacks that happened after the 9-11 towers, but some of his participants had clear foreknowledge of those attacks. And it's quite a good article for those who want to go through it. And, and how it uh, was just astonishing too. I remember all this stuff and I kept a lot of the information because I knew a lot would disappear over time. And then certainly the, the memory hole, Orwell's memory hole, is definitely uh, working overtime on the internet and the World Wide Web, the www666 thing. But uh, there you go. And it says that in addition to missing samples of anthrax, this is what happened when, when it all happened with the, the Fort Dutrich and so on, Maryland specimens of highly contagious and deadly pathogens that had just disappeared and so on, including anthrax and Ebola, had disappeared from the lab at a time when lab workers and rival scientists had been accused of targeted sexual and ethnic harassments and several disgruntled researchers had left as a result. In addition to missing samples of anthrax, Ebola, hantavirus, and a variant of AIDS, interesting, a variant of AIDS, two of the missing specimens had been labelled unknown 
an army euphemism for classified research whose subject was secret. According to reports, the vast majority of the specimens lost were never found, and an army spokesperson would later claim it was likely some were simply thrown out with the trash. And uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite an interesting article. It's in the Fort Dietrich, of course, and um, including what happened as well. How Fort, You wouldn't believe, too, uh, how... Mr. Fauci's got his hand on everything as well, including Fort Dietrich, and, and so on. It's just astonishing. It's a small world for those that uh, are put in charge of big areas of it. But this article is quite interesting, too, and how um, other players in dark winter are now... This is from quite some years back, right? But they're now working, some of these players from Dark Winter, key drivers behind the biodefense mass surveillance programs currently being promoted as a technological solution to COVID-19 spread, despite evidence that such programs actually worsen pandemic outbreaks. Uh, definitely what they do, is, is, as I've mentioned in the previous articles, is kill a lot of patients off by the response. And others have uh, close connections to the insider trading that recently occurred amongst a select group of U.S. senators regarding the economic impact of COVID-19 and are set to uh, personally profit from lucrative contracts to to develop not just one, but the majority of experimental COVID-19 treatments and vaccines currently under development by U.S. companies. It's quite a good little article for those who want to uh, go through it and so on. Understand you, you know, and don't don't ever. I, I even heard Fauci mention something when he was um, questioned about his constantly contradicting himself with what he's demanding. You know, like don't wear masks, then now you must wear masks, and he 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 can reconcile the two statements. You know, regardless. But he mentioned in his response about people who put out conspiracy theories. Well, it's about time we put things together. These are not conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, we're supposed to believe in coincidence theories all the time. All the time. Huh? I don't think so. No. No. Detective work. And every detective story, and every, every real detective knows, you, you put things together to lead you to conclusions. You don't, you don't say, oh, you, that's a conspiracy theory detective, so-and-so. You see, that's how it's done. And we're fed up with the CIA comeback of conspiracy theories that they came out with about uh, JFK getting shot and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory that there's more than one gunman or whatever it happens to be, you know. The CIA came out with that. And they've never given up on it. It's awfully good, mind you. It's, it shuts most folk. Well, it's a conspiracy theory. You're supposed to blush if they say that to you, you know. It's like calling you a Nazi or something. You're supposed to blush. And shut up. It's a, it's a communist technique, actually, to shut you up, to stop any debate on anything. Florida man who died in a motorcycle wreck labelled as COVID-19 death by the state. There you go. And it goes into how they're being inflated, all the coronavirus death counts, and by how much and so on. And it says Fox 35 did an investigation where they talked to Orange County Health Officer Dr. Rollo Pino about two deaths of people in their 20s that were labelled coronaviruses. It says when they, when they asked if the people who died had underlying conditions, Pino responded, the first one didn't have any. He died in a motorcycle accident. 
when he was asked about whether or not the motorcycle victim's data was removed from the state's COVID system, he responded, I don't think so, I have to double check. We were arguing, discussing, or trying to argue with the state, not because of the numbers, it's 100, it doesn't make any difference if it's 99, but the fact that the individual didn't die from COVID-19 died in the crash. But you could actually argue that it could have been the COVID-19 that caused him to crash. <laughs> I see how the games are they play. This seems to stand at odds with how the Florida Department of Health explained how they were reporting COVID deaths. The state had told Fox a COVID death is determined if COVID-19 is listed as immediate or underlying cause of death or listed as one of the significant conditions contributing to death or if there is a confirmed COVID-19 infection from a lab test and the cause of death doesn't meet exclusion criteria like trauma, suicide, homicide, overdose, motor vehicle accident, etc. The only thing I can say to people is that the data I provide you with is the data we consume from the state. We offer you the best data that we have. Pino concluded, copping out, meaning sidestepping <laughs> any further questions. So, yeah, there you go. Everybody's dying of COVID, you see, no matter what, what happens, see. And of course, we all know that Donald Trump's, whether it's real or not, we don't know. He's got a little spat going on with Dr. Fauci, despite, uh, despite his own White House aides calling him Dr. Fawcett. Uh, this is from the Daily Mail, I think it is, is it? Yeah, Daily Mail. And uh, Dr. Fawcett and distribute list of medical experts supposed mistakes, it says. And... Um, but that's what the folk around Fauci call him, Dr. Fawcett, because it really appears he goes and he starts performing and just spouts off the same stuff. I guess that's what the word spouts, right? A faucet. And you know what he's going to say, oh, that's terrible, I should all shut everything down, oh, yeah, just close everything down, oh, yeah, yeah. stay in your homes, do your told, blah, blah, blah. But uh, folk are really fed up with this. this. But again, Fauci's got a big role to play, and uh, pre-planned, of course, and, uh, yep. He's got a finger in every pie, and he's got a finger in every pie, I think, that's going to definitely materially profit from that, incredibly so, from all of this as well, mind you. They always reward the implementers of the big agenda awfully well, don't they? As says, the clown cars are fully loaded, this is another article, and Dr. Fauci's is leading the parade. Yesterday he uttered the following incoherent babble, saying the recent surge in new cases is because the virus patrol didn't go far enough in throwing 50 million Americans out of work. We did not shut down entirely, Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said. We need to draw back a few yards and say, OK, we can't stay shut down forever. You've got to shut down, but then you've got to gradually open. Got that? What does this pretentious old windbag think that the blooming buzzy mass of $21 trillion economy can be calibrated up and down by the week via some magical dimmer switch? Never mind because he was then on to this preposterous comparison. Fauci also said he expects the public to compare the COVID-19 pandemic this is, this is, this is what you said, eh? to the 1918 pandemic flu. But that, that flu killed 50 million people, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Well, it so happens that the U.S. death rate from the Spanish flu was 655 per 100,000 persons. That's 675,000 deaths in a population of 103 million. That's obviously orders of magnitudes larger than the 39 per 100,000 deaths to date from the COVID. And as I've said before from these other articles, 
on the average statistical death rate, what we've got right now is pretty well normal, except that little spike when they started to terrify the public and everybody, all the workers fled the nursing, old age nursing homes. <laughs> but everybody's fed up with, with Fauci, there's no doubt about it. But again, he's the front man for a big agenda. And he's got his fingers, you understand, this guy literally has got to be CIA, at the very least. <laughs> Because he's in charge of biolabs. These biolabs are, are uh, uh, well, it's the, it's the, we, we, just, we just alter viruses to make them killers in case it ever went that way by itself. You know, we, we, we tweak them and to be, be bigger killers. So we're ready for them if it ever breaks out. Eh? This is their excuse for the bio. The biolabs are warfare labs, making deadly, deadly, deadly. Viruses out of things which are harmless, generally. Gain of function, they call it. And that's why the military and the Pentagon is completely interwoven with Fauci. And the CIA is too, and Fauci is also into Fort Detrick. It's got a big say in Fort Detrick. It's got a big say as well in the cancer virus agenda as well. You know, once the huge, uh, huge money goes into all these things because, um, yeah, of course the military was involved in doing tests to see if they could create cancers using viruses. Some of them, we know, they they can. But he's got a finger in every pie. Just astonishing. And here he is on TV every day terrifying the public and telling them what to do like some, you know, Mussolini. Just astonishing. Il Ducci. It's just, it's just, you can't believe it. I mean, who do, really? Huh? And all the fudge statistics and all the rest of it. And, and uh, we're supposed to all go into poverty and shut entire world economies down here for a, a new system, a new reset into poverty. <laughs> no, that's bigger than just a guy in charge of some medical opinions. Enforcing compliance with COVID-19 pandemic restrictions, psychological aspects of a national security threat. Okay. And goes on to uh, many commentators and national leaders around the world beginning to recognize it as a genuine national security threat. In human behavior terms, however, the threat is not from an external enemy, but from citizens who refuse to comply with guidelines and instructions and fail to change their behavior to adapt to the developing situation. With coronavirus, an individual refusing to comply is an active and ongoing threat to others, as well as sometimes uh, more uh, to themselves. And where does this come from? Where do you think this comes from, eh? Any, any idea where it comes from? This one here is actually from Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Mm. <laughs> Underneath it, it says that there's really security, regional diplomacy, and international law. Well, this guy should learn some diplomacy here. <laughs> He's telling them that folk are going to be a threat. They're a threat, you see. And. Uh, he says the obvious threats are to the outright refusers from a psychological perspective. These are people who are either uh, oppositional in their attitude or in denial regarding the effects of the refusal. While the former understands that by intentionally violating guidelines they're creating a risk for others, the latter deny it, at times adopting an it-won't-happen-to-me attitude. And he goes on and on and on. This kind of, you can see the ones who, who want the uniforms, eh? Uh, and can mandate and scream orders over the masses 
and, and but from the, from Israel too, there's, there's other other awfully good articles from professionals who come out and saying this is all bogus, and literally saying the same thing. It's the terror and fear that's been causing the, the, the terrible fallout from all this, and not giving them the treatment, the proper treatments, which are well understood, by the way. Mm-hmm. Great song, eh? But yeah, some people literally can see they're all on board with, and I don't know if this guy too, I don't know um, if he's got any any say at all. Because a lot of the characters who are pushing this stuff are, have got involvement in the, the security bracelets, as they call them, which were developed for prisoners, by the way. I think Israel has a company that does that too and sells them to the world, electronic bracelets. And that's what they're wanting to use in Canada for all of um People who don't have cell phones and who might not want to go along with things, you know, so that you can't leave your home, etc. You'd be, you'd be like a prisoner because you won't conform and obey their Führer, you see. So there you go. Face mask mandate by the UK government specifically say they don't protect against COVID-19. I mentioned one like that before already, so I'll put that up again. And Fauci is sidelined by the White House as he steps up the blunt talk on pandemic and says that for months uh, Fauci has played a lead role in America's coronavirus pandemic as a diminutive Brooklyn accepted narrator who has uh, assessed the risk and issued increasingly blunt warnings as the nation's response has gone badly awry. But as the Trump administration has strayed from the advice of many of his scientists and public health experts, the White House has moved to sideline Fauci, scuttled some of his planned TV appearances, and largely kept him out of the Oval Office for more than a month. Even well, that's the way you're supposed to do. Don't let him in if you don't have to leave your home or a room without it. Don't 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 do it. Just stay there. So it goes on about, it goes on about the spat between the two of them, basically. And you won't get any anything for Trump uh, to back him up. Anyway, none of the media is going to back up Trump on anything even though he, he, he seems to be all over the roadmap. True, and that is true. He's all over the place. But uh, after all, uh, if it would just stay out of foreign wars, he would get a lot of backing from the general public, not from the military, maybe. Some of the generals are so compromised themselves in the military-industrial complex that uh, that's a problem in itself, too. And it says, as for Fauci himself, although he's frustrated by the turmoil and the state of the outbreak, friends say he has no plans to abandon his post, which includes a critical role in the development of a coronavirus vaccine and treatments. Well, he's been on board for a vaccine from the beginning, regardless of your own immune system working. There's a different agenda here, obviously. Maybe a few agendas, apart from just the profit motive. But uh, <laughs> you don't rush these things through. And folks should not be forced to take something, especially when they've already got uh, antibodies to the actual problem. Now here you go too. Now, he, now here you go. This, this is awfully good. The, the articles to do with um, psychology. You see, psychology is a big part of what runs your lives, and you don't even know it. Most folk don't know it because they don't come out and say, "Oh, by the way, we're giving you new thoughts and ideas, and and we're altering your behaviour." And that's what I want to do to really finish up with tonight. Some of these articles to do to show you what's happening. It's a massive business. See, controlling us all and, and manipulating our thoughts and our minds to, to, to get uniform opinions prevalent throughout society. 
uh, you, you get all these specialists that, that live off our tax money. They, they get grants thrown at them all the time. They, they live awfully well, these master manipulators. The kind that Bernays said, uh, those who run the, 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 the country or the world are, are, like, are, are an invisible government. You don't know they exist or they're there, but they're doing it. They're pulling strings and you jump and dance like puppets. So here you have psychology today. And, we, and again, we, all these universities are heavily subsidized by taxpayers' money to create the chains that uh, enchain uh, and enslave our minds. Eh? And they, they pay the... I, I see these people as traitors to, to humanity, the people who, who profit off manipulating us. Huh? What's wrong with plain old truth and facts? Well, you can't have that. Oh, no way. No, you do it quietly and... and um, like bandits, in a sense. Eh? So here, here you go, this article here. So the COVID crisis throws into relief what happens when grief has quite literally nowhere to go. The evidence suggests that most people summon strengths to surpass their own expectations. And, now you got, and, and they go through narcissism, and, and some folk are narcissists and so on. Uh, psychological distress amongst transgender individuals. I guess that's extra cash. They've got their hands out for all, just give us more money and we'll study this and we'll study that and so on. Incredibly. And five ways to make new friends when you're stuck at home. You won't make real friends when you're stuck at home. You know. Erasing memories might be difficult after all. all you know how they put viruses in the, in the, in the brains of people uh, for P- PTSD. Remember that one? Remember that one for the military? This is all from psychologists and so on. And, and people who, who ran to your brain, eh? Hmm. I guess that's a step up from just getting a little scalpel, drawing the hole in there, and the frontal cortex and going to the temples and just cutting it a wee bit here and there, eh? So the COVID-19 pandemic has brought tragedy and hardship to many people, but it's also opened up opportunities. I don't have, they always go the same way, these, these characters, for, uh, for behavioral scientists to advance their understanding of behavior change. Yeah? See, that's their whole purpose, is to change your behavior. Not to help you, but change your behavior. In a recent BBC article, Mark Easton writes, the behavioural science that forms part of the government's thinking on the lockdown warned before the restrictions came in that people would struggle to stick to the rules for prolonged periods. However, experts have been struck by how compliant the British public have remained. Why has been no evidence of the behavioural fatigue that some people were initially worried about? I mean, all their lies that they said that at the time they would terrify the public, that would cause incredible fatigue too as well as behavioural change that was getting forced upon them. So what happened to it all? When it comes to behaviour, good or bad, there's rarely an easy answer. Compliance is undoubtedly due to a combination of variables, including the high risks involved for both individuals and society, meaning terror campaign. I read the articles too, remember, that they handed out to the press telling them to increase tension and fear amongst the public for, for reporters, right? <laughs> So there you go. Yeah, a combination of variables, no kidding, eh? In terms of the spectrum of concepts and tools, behavioral scientists have identified social factors may well be the most important dimension in explaining behavioral compliance during the current pandemic. 
I was reminded of a, of, a, of a literature review related to hand hygiene that I wrote a few years ago, which prominently featured social factors in, uh, specifically, especially in healthcare settings. My report highlighted research and initiatives drawing on the power of social influence by role models, peers, and patients. Right? It also mentioned the mobilizing of social norms and social comparison the power of observation and personal feedback, as well as using commitment devices. This is all their psychobabble yap, you see. And that's why you, the only folk that you thought had COVID initially were celebrities. They're all getting paid to say that they had it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The folk that you'd heard about, or famous folk, you know, not as ordinary people that you don't know about, but the famous people, that means it must be prevalent if they got it. Yeah, with all their wealth and money and big estates and stuff, you know. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So it's a role models. That's what they use to influence you, you know. And uh, mobilizing social norms and social comparison, power of observation and personal feedback. And commitment devices in terms of role model effects. For example, one study found that hospital workers were less likely to wash their hands if a peer or higher-ranking person who did, did not engage in hand hygiene was in the room with them, right? And there's all the links to it, all the studies, the links for the studies. Research conducted in university restrooms. What do you mean? Then they're stuck watching folk. I guess that's, the, that's what they're talking about. Peer studies. Eh? <laughs> but it says that it found that female students were more likely to wash their hands when others were present in the restroom, 91%, than when they were alone, only 55% complied. In hospital context, a study on hand washing showed that baseline hand hygiene rates were greater in high visibility areas located near nurses' offices, that's 45%, than low visibility rooms, 29%. Even they are getting studied and studied and studied, you see, you see? Another hospital-based study measured hand hygiene compliance during periods in which they were either aware or unaware of being observed. Why don't they do the study on this? I've said that, 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 that they're picking away at the mask in front of their, their nose, the wet part where their breast goes through. <laughs> Why don't they do studies on that to see how bad it is for spreading everything? Huh? But no, they're not getting paid to do that, right? It says, elsewhere, the IC unit observed staff for several weeks via video. Workers were informed about the cameras installed to monitor hand hygiene, but were not given performance feedback. During the time, hand hygiene compliance rates were below 10%. In a following-up period, during which the hospital workers received emails and hallway scoreboards with information about compliance rates, the rate rose to above 80%. And they, now listen to the powerful impact. We always know this, because like they've just discovered it, right? Of peer pressure and social norms has also been demonstrated by research comparing the effectiveness of different types of messages in an English highway service station restroom. These pairs should be, you know we deal with these characters who are, <laughs> oh, wow. Results showed that some messages worked better on women than men. But one message performed well for both genders. The normative statement is the person next to you washing with soap. Compared to a control condition, this message resulted in 12% relative increase in hand-washing ratio among men and 11% increase amongst women. The power of social influence was further evident when the researchers included data about restroom busyness. 
Effective messages became even more effective during busy periods. And they on and on talking about remind healthcare workers and uh, all the different tests that they put out there to get them to, to comply and do what they're told to do, etc., etc. Behavioral science is sometimes accused of an excessive focus on what people get wrong. See, you can only get things wrong if you're not doing what they want you to do. You understand that, right? Behavioral science is about controlling people on behalf of those who run the system. Do you understand that? <laughs> so it goes on, as we, under, as we analyze people's behaviors during COVID-19 pandemic, let's also continue asking why and how people have been getting it right. Oh, there you are. Another study. They'll give me their million dollars. Don't do that study too. And... Uh, it's just incredible. Again, the SAGE organization, you know, that subcontracted it to a lot with the groups that do behavioral insights and insights teams and so on. They manipulate your thoughts online, by the way, in real time. I've done the shows on that too. Um, so, so there's nothing you do online that's not prompting you and trying to push in their, in their direction, you see. Uh, and change your behavior. But the, literally, yeah, what they've been, the government's been working with them all to get you to comply with a whole bunch of things that you're not even aware of yet. Hmm? Using social and behavioral science to support COVID-19 pandemic response. Hmm? That's from human nature perspectives. And it goes on to talk about some COVID-19 pandemic represents a massive global health crisis. Well, that's your statement off the bat. Is it really? Is it really a massive global health crisis? Is it? But there's your, there's your fear impact on the first line, right? Because the, the crisis requires large-scale behavior change. There you go. That's the whole point, is large-scale behavior change. And places significant psychological burden on individuals. Insights from social and behavioral sciences can be used to help align human behavior with the recommendations of epidemiologists and public health experts. Experts, experts, Burton Russell. Experts will train the public that they, they can't do anything without the advice of an expert. There you go. It's all happened long ago. Yeah. He will discuss evidence from a selection of research topics relevant to pandemics, including work on navigating threats, social and cultural influences on behavior, science communication, moral decision-making, leadership, and stress and coping in each section. We note the nature and quality of prior research, including uncertainty and unsettled issues. We identify several insights for effective response to the COVID-19 pandemic and highlight important gaps researchers should move quickly to fill in the coming weeks and months. So they start off with a history that they're given, starting off in December, I think it was, 2019. And uh, the social and behavioral sciences can provide valuable insights for managing the pandemic and its impact. We discuss topics that are broadly relevant to numerous stages of the current pandemic to help policymakers, leaders, and the public better understand how to manage threats, and so on. And how you, again, navigate their cultural context, and so on. A lot of babble, eh? they pad these things tremendously to try to justify the, the incredible cash rewards they're getting. And it says here, oh, and then they wouldn't tell you that due to space constraints, the paper provides a brief summary of each topic. Well, maybe they should get on with it. And they got about uh, topics such as hand washing, face touching, and self isolation. And uh, research on these topics is ongoing. In many cases, far from settled. They'll need multiple studies and more grants, and you know they live on grants. And actually, they they can retire in a few years, one or two years of this nonsense, 
right from university if they get hands out all the time for grants. And um, let me see now here. Field experiments and stuff and all. So historically, infectious diseases have been responsible for the greatest human death tolls. Not really. The murder by the state has often been part of it, really, when you think about it. And they're going to, for example, the bubonic plague killed approximately twenty-five percent of the European population. Well, that's not quite absolutely accurate, you know. And um, especially when you didn't have folk doing census reports then in population studies and in the early Middle Ages. But but let's not let's let's not stop throwing a spanner in the wrench here. Eh? That really annoys them. That kind of thing. So uh, so here you have it here for policy measures. A shared sense of identity or purpose can be encouraged by addressing the public in collective terms, not individual, you see, but the collective, and by urging to act together for the common good, you see, for us, for us all to act for the common good, right? But but not, so use collective terms, we and us, and we're all in it together. Identifying sources, for example, religious or community leaders that are credible to different audiences to share public health messages can be effective. So get, that's Bernays again. Bernays says, don't bother starting an organization up. Use existing organizations. Go for the leaders and get them to push out your message. And that's what they do. Right? Leaders in the media might try to promote cooperative behavior by emphasizing that cooperating is the right thing to do and that other people are already cooperating. Well, you, you might all shave your heads, you know, and uh, to, to stop the viruses hiding in it or something. Uh, so if they all did that, would you have to go along with it, right? Promote cooperative behavior. No, that, that's obedient behavior. A big difference, you see. If you're obedient to something, you better be absolutely dead on on your facts here. Norms of uh, pro-social behavior. What I mean pro-social? That means that what they want is pro-social. If it, what they don't want is anti-social. So anything that's individualistic, say, I'm not going along with that, is anti-social. So, so norms of pro-social behavior are more effective when coupled with the expectation of social approval. See, they do approval and, 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 and disapproval. Eh? And modeled by in-group members who are central in social networks. Leaders and members of the media should highlight bipartisan support for COVID-related measures when they exist, as such endorsements in other contexts have reduced polarization and led to less biased reasoning. There you go. There's a need uh, for more targeted public health information within marginalized communities and for partnerships between public health authorities and trusted organizations that are intended to do these uh, to. <laughs> to do these communities that, that that are internal to these communities, so there you go. It's um, partnerships, public and private, and public, eh? and uh, for health authorities. You know, the health authorities uh, we speak of health services. A service is something you could say, "I want or I don't want it." Thank you for your service. No, I don't want your service. Or another authorities. Eh? Folk adapt to the changes with a. Wait a minute, when did this change from a, a service to an authority? Hmm? See, me police forces, these be called police services, you see? Then became forces. Hmm? Where before that, forces were really reserved for the military. Because they force actions, you see, they, you use force. 
when folk don't really think when it all, when it all changes. Well, it's characters like this I'm reading here, they help to change it all for you without you even noticing. You just go along with it. Anyway, it says, um, so there you go. So, so I highlight the prospect of social group approval and tend to be persuasive. You know, we're all together and goody-goody, you're nice, you're doing awfully well. Uh, social approval and disapproval. Oh, I, d- I don't like what you're doing. It's not good for society, you know. That's disapproval, you see. Given the importance of slowing in infections, it may be helpful to make people aware that they benefit from others' access to preventative measures, it says. Preparing people for misinformation, see, and ensuring that they have accurate information and counter-arguments against false information before they encounter conspiracy theories, fake news, or other forms of misinformation can help inoculate them against false information. So get the people ready uh, so that they'll laugh and say, oh, you're more than a conspiracy theorist, aren't you, for, for saying that it's not as bad as they make out to be. Mm-hmm. There you go. Here is, you see, it's all, this, is, this is psychology, operative psychology. And these characters are getting paid to, to, to manipulate society on behalf of the masters that pay them. Use of the term social distancing might imply that one needs to cut off meaningful interactions. A preferable term is physical distancing because it allows for the fact that social connection is possible even when people are physically separated. Ah, can you imagine them getting paid for this? Can you believe this? Now, threat. One of the central emotional responses during a pandemic is fear. Humans, like other animals, hmm, that's why you got your religion out the way they can say that you're an animal, possess a set of defensive systems for combating ecological threats. Negative emotions resulting from threat can be contagious. That's what I'm saying, too. When, when they start freaking out in stores and so on, buying the counters, uh, because they're, t- they're terrified of the customers, who each one obviously is bringing contagion to them. Uh, that uh, then, yeah, when they start that, that fear that they, they emit spreads to the folk they're emitting it to. <laughs> and fear can make threats appear more imminent. A meta analysis found that targeting fears can be useful in some situations, but not others. Appealing to fear leads people to change their behavior if they feel capable of dealing with the threat but leads to defensive reactions when they feel helpless to act. Results suggest that strong fear appeals uh, produce the uh, greatest behavior change only when people feel a sense of efficacy, whereas a strong fear appeals with low efficacy messages produce the greatest levels of defensive responses. And that's when it doesn't make any sense to you, you're going to have defensive responses. And then sound health decisions depend on accurate perceptions of the cost and benefits of certain choices for oneself and for society. Emotions often drive risk perceptions, sometimes more so than factual information. See, you see, the normal animals at the bottom there uh, just run on emotion, you see. An emotional response to a risky situation can influence thinking in two stages. First, the emotional quality, for example, positive versus negative, focuses people on uh, congruent information. For example, negative information when feeling negative. Boy, this person's a genius, eh? Negative when feeling negative, wow. That information, rather than the feeling itself, is then used to guide judgment as a second stage. I, I cannot stand these, these incredible the, the folk who get paid to manipulate on behalf of the masters right down to, 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 to 
teaching people that they wouldn't even know they've been taught actually through through very careful uh, suggestion to turn on the folk and call them conspiracy theorists if they don't agree with what's being done. Huh? Think about that, folks. Eh? These conspiracy theories can have harmful, harmful consequences. It says, for example, belief in conspiracy theories has been linked to vaccine hesitancy and climate denial, extremist political views, and prejudice. COVID-19 conspiracy theories may be simply problematic. For, for instance, people who believe that alternative remedies can help them fight off the virus may be less likely to follow health officials' advice and instead, instead opt for less effective at best or lethal at worst alternatives. Hmm. Some evidence suggests that, that giving people factual information before exposure to conspiracy theories can reduce conspiracy theory beliefs. And this strategy might work in efforts to combat conspiracy theories relevant to the current pandemic. And they've got another uh, paragraph below called Fake News and Misinformation. Mind you, again, uh, on the actual um, event 201, they went through all this too, right down to the fake news and how they would deal with the fake news and folk who wouldn't comply and all that. This is all old stuff, you know, really. But this is a long article here. And, uh, well, not really long, but uh, I'm sure that we all paid for it too. But this is, this is the characters that manipulate, manipulate, right down to teaching the people to actually hate and turn on the folk who have different perspectives on what's actually happening and can back it up with other facts, you see. They're, they're teaching the people to turn on them immediately unless they're going along with, uh, from the, the so-called official um, Source. The, the same sources, mind you, that tell you wear masks, then tell you not to wear masks, then fine you if you don't wear masks, etc., etc. Yeah? The, the same sources that tell you that in the summer it was okay to be three feet apart in Britain, uh, and that would be okay, yeah, and all that. The same sources that said it was okay for for big demonstrations to be shoulder to shoulder uh, and uh, protest uh, marches and so on, all like, and even riots in some cases. And that was okay, you see, because they weren't bad people at all for doing that, or they weren't endangering other people. But everybody else is endangering them if you if you get close, too close. I mean, this is absolute nonsense, as you know, absolute nonsense. But paying people who who specialize in manipulating others, they're psychopaths, really. You see that you get taught. Psychopathic techniques in their courses and how to manipulate because that's what a, a, a psychopath does. They they get through life by manipulating other people uh, into behaving the way that they want them to behave for their own for the psychopath's good. You see, and so that's what these folk are, these behaviorists, and the regenesis too. If you're going to the old ones in Watson and the different ones that um, were doing different experiments as well, they're all eugenicists. Superior and inferior types and all the rest of it, you know. And back to the what I, I said near the beginning: Canada's first mask murder. Ontario police killed a 73-year-old man after he refused to comply with a local mandate. I'll put that one up again too. It's two different article, two different articles about the same, same guy, you know. And uh, then I'll also do this one here: a young woman. You probably saw it. I don't know if you saw the article. Maybe last week it was um, who was Jessica Dotty Whitaker, the woman shot and killed for saying all lives matter. 
She was fairly shot in the head, actually. She saw earlier this month following an argument with four men and a woman about Black Lives Matter. Because uh, I think there was a 4th of July event she was at, I think. And uh, as she was leaving it, um, a, a group were passing her and said that Black Lives Matter. And she just replied that all lives matter. Now it started the argument. And a man who was with her called Ramirez said one man pulled a gun during the racial charge argument and then he did the same. The two sides managed to talk things over and go their separate ways. But then when she went under an underpass or something, she was walking, uh, shots rang out and she was shot in the head. Just killed, murdered. There you go. That'll probably never see the light of day in any... in the the present climate of things... um, it's just been ignored, of course. It, it, all these things are getting put down as just protests. Remember that all the, the communist um, protests of the past ages you know, always end up in uh, purges, utter slaughters. I hope you understand this. The ones at the top certainly do, and they're, they're, they seem to be allowing it to happen. But I've said everything happens at the top on behalf of the elite, and if the elite didn't want this to happen, a socialistic system, uh, then it wouldn't happen. It will be more efficient for, for running the system uh, for, on behalf of the controllers at the top or the owners of it all. Because uh, you can get things done fast and efficiently because folk are, are terrified to simply obey in that kind of system. And so you get further uh, progress, as they call it, into the future uh, plans to see where you want to take the world. And that's what they want at this particular moment. After that, who knows what they'll do. They'll definitely get eliminate the ones that helped it uh, to happen. That's what happens as well. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting to watch the, the, the authorities at the top stand off and let, allowing it all to happen. Another article, The Social Psychology of Crisis. Why are people hoarding toilet paper during the coronavirus outbreak? It takes restraint to revisit our instincts in the face of social dilemmas. Johns Hopkins, naturally, expert says. Expert. Say expert, that's it. It's like high priest, eh? Yeah. So while restaurants in six states are offering free toilet paper to those in need in response to the barren toilet paper shelves in many local grocery stores, USA Today reports that a police department in Newport, Oregon, issued an urgent request for residents to stop calling 911 when they run out of toilet paper. You will survive without our assistance, the department stated. Meanwhile, the New York Times reports young people are continuing to travel despite restrictions. And yeah, they're getting offered all these very cheap air flights and so on, right? By the companies that are struggling to survive. A lot more wonder, of course, that is the agenda too. Yeah. Says, this outbreak is a classical example of a social dilemma, says Stephen Brigotas, a teaching professor and co-director of undergraduate studies in the Department of Psychological and Brain Science at uh, Johns Hopkins, expert in social psychology, and he says he'll likely draw from these new reports for material to include in his introductory course. And they go on and on and on. We are the most studied creature on the planet. I've said that for 30-odd years. We truly are. And how they can actually use other groups to conform to everything against the others, you know. That's part of it, too. They actually start that off in school with the group courses that take for groupthink, where, where um, 
they don't want to encourage individuality. They want groupthink. They want conformity of opinions, you see. It's very important now. And, uh, and there are ways to do it and, and have toolkits for teachers so that if, if Johnny or, or Julie stops, it doesn't want to conform to the rest, they're kind of shunned to an extent. And because of peer pressure, they want to have, have pals and friends and so on. They, they eventually just give in and say, okay, then I agree with that point of view to, just to get along. And that's how you, you learn to, to subdue your, your, your own individuality and belong to the group, the group thing, the authorized group thing, you see. This is what it's all about. So this article here now is uh, that the Texas coronavirus numbers show COVID-19 is less lethal than the last two flu seasons. And uh, this is from the Texas Department of Health released numbers. And uh, so it's official stuff from the Department of Health. It doesn't make any difference. Let's call it conspiracy theory You know, when you say it, but not when they say it. <laughs> Quite something, eh? And then using social and behavioral science to support COVID-19 pandemic response, another study, right? And there's, there's countless studies to do with it and how they get you all to conform and go along with it and so on. So I'll put these ones up just to show you. As I say, back to, you're back to the, the gangs of New York where you can get one half of the public to kill the other half, you know, if you know how to, to manipulate them and maybe pay them here there, and there too. It's the same thing too. Uh, under the group think, you see, you can use the rest of the group or the class uh, to shame the other person, to make them feel ashamed of their point of view, and that's what they're doing uh, with uh, the, the psychological responses in society. Right now, right down to oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, or you won't comply in something, or oh, shame them, shame them publicly. Well, when you start shaming adults publicly, you're not in any kind of democracy anymore, folks. I hope you understand that. I remember doing an article years ago when they were, they were putting in big, big screens inside shopping malls. And they, uh, if they saw a person dropping a piece of paper, even inadvertently falling in their pocket, they'd, they'd say, yeah, you, you, and this big face would point down to you. Uh, with a finger, and then then your face would come on the screen, and the whole they all see you, and you turn bright red. That this was a public shaming. They were doing psychological experiments with them too, uh, which they're using now today, of course. And eventually, if you don't comply and and, and jump and jump and jump when someone's freaking out behind a checkout counter, um, you you'll see your face eventually come up on the screen, and you'll be the bad person, and everybody will say, "Oh, you you go." Do what you're told, do what you're told, you know, be like the rest of us. This is, this is their whole system. They're wrapping it through under the guise of COVID, right? COVID emergency. Something that most folk don't even know they've had. Another good article, by the way, was to do, just before I do get off, the White Helmets co-founder. Remember the White Helmets were over in, in uh, Syria? And you used to see them. Uh, with their helmets on, and and then you see them taking them off and grabbing their their rifles and their weapons, and it, it was well not understood by the people who were over there that it was an army, which it was merely a stunt kind of thing that was going on, and they, but they were getting lots and lots of cash to help fund parts of this um, this um, Al Qaeda dash ISIS dash ISIS dash 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 as they kept changing its name. Uh, there was to to try to take down Syria, you see. And they kept calling it a, a civil war. It was nothing. It wasn't a civil war. 
It was all outsiders that were brought in. But one of the guys that, that, that founded the White Helmets organization, uh, who, who was part of the, the British military at one point, James LeMessurier, Missouri, his name was, uh, he, he was found dead. As we know, he jumped from a window or something. It was never been cleared what happened. But uh, and he, um, he said he committed suicide. I very much doubt that. He jumped from a four-story building. But he, he, and now it turns out he defrauded uh, the rescue organization that he was a co-founder in setting up, Mayday Rescue. Uh, it says here, the organization fund uh, raised from Western countries to support the, an anti-government rescue group in Syria. And RT News quotes a report via Dutch newspaper, uh, the Volkskrant, who said Le Mesurier informed an, uh, an accountant during an audit that he forged receipts for tens of thousands of dollars at the time he listed the funds as lined items to support efforts to evacuations for refugees in war-torn Syria, though the money was actually expenses for his lavish 2018 wedding. He was paid a generous salary of 24,000 euros a month, I'd say. I was pretty generous for a charity, right? It was noted that he issued loans to his wife, former diplomat Emma Winberg, using funds from the organization. Tens of thousands of dollars, he says, would uh, went in his pocket and so on. for his And partly for his fairytale wedding as well. But I said, a Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs 2018 report shows Mehdi received $127 million from mostly Western state donors between 2014 and 18. And he was one of the ones who helped promote the, the idea of first responders to emergencies in Syria. The group has been accused of staging multiple chemical attacks. And we saw them to uh, some of the children that were involved in uh, the, the, the videos came out afterwards and saying they were paid to <laughs> pretend and so on. It was just astonishing what went on. <laughs> and it was used as a pretext to bomb the Syrian government facilities and base. It's an intelligence agency at work there, you know. That's, that's really how it was done. Another one, too, is COVID, a digital health passport. I'll put that one up, too. And uh, I think this might be the one. I'm not sure if this is the one for Australia. I'll put these links regardless up tonight. And, and once it was all, it's all prearranged who was getting them and all the rest of it. Uh, but uh, VSTE is currently using to work with the United Nations, it says here in this article here, for this COVID, COVID passports, health passport, consumer-facing, etc. It's not just health, it's everything, folks. You know that too, don't you? For the entire future of the mankind forever, that's what it's about. And uh, it's called V-Code, One Code, Infinite Possibilities, Medical Details, Dental Records, ICE Details, Crypto Wallet, Education Details, Payment Methods, Loyalty schemes, event tickets, travel tickets, passport, national ID, and uh, contact details, work ID. Everything about you will be on this thing here at VST Enterprises. And I'll put this stuff up tonight. Oh, that's the one they're going to use for Australia. But every, I've got the stuff from every other country too and what they're going to use as well. It's, just, it's all been pre-planned, obviously, including the companies that would get it, rather obviously too. Again, Franz Arson suspected major fire at Nantes 
cathedral, as I've mentioned before. Uh, I, they really do hate religion. They really, really do. And the past. The past is, is the past, folks. You know, absolutely. Completely past. And you, you understand, too, your ancestors might not have seen it the way you've been taught to see it today. <laughs> Ever thought about that? But also, uh, these articles, good behavior and COVID-19 pandemic. I'll put all these ones up for you to to go over. Because psychology is a big, big part of it. But imagine them teaching the public, I think, through TV and little clips and bits and pieces and television and so on, to, how, how to respond to the anyone who gives you anything that, that, that's not just parroting the mainstream news. I mean, they're denying the public their chance to think for themselves by, by acquiring other information. And that's okay. Whoa, whoa. Hmm. This, is, this is where it's all, it's all down to this stuff now, isn't it? Okay. Social and behavioral sciences, eh? And that's something. Yep, we're, we're well on our way, folks, as you all know. But, uh, of course, if you don't think along the mainstream, what they're telling you, you think, even though it makes no sense what they're telling you, because they keep contradicting themselves, in fact, you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. I, I guess on the mainstream media, they're confusion theorists, because that's all you're getting is confusion. And, uh, it, oh yeah, let's do another 50,000 tests tomorrow in this particular area, and guess what? They'll find so many thousands came back positive. Well, shouldn't that be... A good thing if no one was sick And they'll, they'll now get antibodies out of it They'll be immune That's that's what always was That was a thing for celebrating in past Past years For flus and things But nope Nope Not good enough you see you, you, We've got this agenda And nothing's going to change this agenda Come hell or high water So there you go Anyway don't get all gloomy and doomy and uh, think for yourselves. That's one thing you got left. Even though they might call you conspiracy theorists, if you're thinking for yourself, don't worry about it. Uh, it might be a good club to belong to eventually, because it'll be the only factual thing left. And um, and you've got to uh, just start thinking for yourself and preparing for the worst. You always do that. Prepare for the worst as best you can, even with limited supplies or uh, or, or even resources. And get a few friends. Just stay pally with them. And make, make an agreement, uh, or make it an oath if you need to, to stand by each other, to help each other out. If things get really tough, and if one person can't go grocery shop, maybe someone else can. Things like that, basic, simple, um, human necessities have to be got, got regardless of lockdowns and all that. And you can take turns and going out and doing the shopping if need be. Or go out together and helping each other. Because this is what it's going to come down to. There's no doubt about it. They're going to make it as hard as possible to bring in the next phases of uh, of rationing, you see. And they want to get you off the country, for instance, into the crowded cities already. And um, so they can manage you better. They'll say it's for your own good, you see, during these terrible times. And it's unsustainable to be living in the country in the first place, you see, so doesn't fall in with agenda for the 21st century and 2030 and all that. So we've got to accomplish all this by using another terror tactic. And here we go. Sad but true, folks. We're, we're in a terrible, terrible uh, place to be. But um, I've mentioned before, always remember, there's never been a generation, really, 
since the, since the advent of authorised government, even if they authorised it themselves at the top, there's, there's never been a time of, of, of prolonged peace for people uh, living under, under tyrants and psychopaths. And when you get educated uh, psychopaths working together in collective clubs and so on and parties, it's, it can be a horror show. Uh, in bed with psychopaths in charge of corporations, that's true fascism. Uh, mandating what, uh, what they're going to do with you. Hmm? So there you go. Take care of yourselves and, uh, as I say, uh, don't give up. Whatever you do, uh, don't give up. And, um, and read some good books if you can. I've still got some old ones to, to read because uh, that takes your mind off things. It helps your mind work better too when you can. Uh, books can tend to draw pictures in your mind. So you've got to stop allowing them to give you the pictures. It's all, everything's video now. And start using your own mind because your, your, your thoughts are supposed to encompass um, thinking with the words and also envisaging pictures that are drafted up in your mind. Very important that to use more of your brain all the time. From myself, Alan Watchman, Tiro Canada, you take care and it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.